Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, yo. Talk Recorded live. Alright, welcome to another show. Uh the Movement Boxing Podcast. Uh this marks our twenty fifth episode. So this is a very special night for us. Uh thanks for the continued support for everybody that's been uh, joining in for us uh weekly and checking out the rebroadcast on our YouTube channel or on iTunes. Uh just big up on the continued support. Um, as usual, got got our uh, co panelists, co host on the on again tonight. Uh, we got TJ the guy from the guys of Boston Talk. Uh, what's going on, Trail? What's good, family? All right, shit, another night, man. Uh, we got Bo and Bernard from the Truth and Facts about Boston. What's good with y'all, fellas? What's good? What's going on, man? All right, uh, and we got Big Cool from Colossal Boxing Talk uh, again, as usual. What's going on, with you, man? Glad to be back on, man. All right, it's good to have all you fellas on, man. Uh, you know, together, all of us on. Uh, we had a nice weekend in the fights. Um, so we're going to get started with our reviews, man. Uh, we're going to start off with the Shinsuke Yamanaka fight. Um, he defended his uh, Bantamweight title um, against Carlos Carlson. Um, and I think it was a seventh round knockout, I believe. He won. Yep, seventh round TKO. Okay, cool. Um, I guess I'll start off with the, I guess, Menard on this one, man. What do you think of the fight as far as Yamanaka and Carlson? Um, the fight, the fight was, um, one-sided pretty much. I only gave Yamanaka, I mean, not Yamanaka, I mean, Carlson one round, and I believe that was the fourth round. Um, Yamanaka's, uh, straight left was there the whole night, man, and he rocked him. Pretty much in the first round, he 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 had a rock on Carlson had him on ropes. Second round, kept the pace. It did. It came down. I want to say to the when he got to the fourth round, Carlson started picking up a little bit, and he started landing his straight right hand on Yamanaka. By the fifth round, I believe there was two knockdowns. Yep. Two knockdowns, I believe. I'm trying to uh, pull up my scorecard now. No, excuse me. That was a, actually there was two the knockdowns. Four. There was two knockdowns in the fourth round. There was two knockdowns in the fifth round. There was a knockdown in the sixth round, and then the seventh round he got knocked down again with TKO. So pretty much uh, Yamanaka dictated the pace of that fight on it in that one round. Which you, I mean, you can get it. That could be considered that was a swing round. Other than that, Yamanaka dominated that whole fight. All right. Uh, Big Cool, did you catch this one as well? Yep, 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 yep. It was a significant fight for uh, Yamanaka. You know, bad, straight left, up top to the body. Um, you know, he got him out there. Definitely tell that Carlson wasn't for this type of type of fighter on this level. I mean, he did give a good effort, though. He, I think he, I don't know if he want, I don't know if I want to say he hurt Yamanaka. I think in the fifth round, 
Yeah, I do remember him hurting him with uh, landing that uh, that the wild yeah, ass right? Didn't he nah, start with the jab? Right on him. I mean, I thought he, I thought he started with the jab and then he followed over the right. But I mean, he did hurt Yama Yamanaka in that round. He gave a good effort, but Yamanaka man is. You know, he proved to be too much. It was a good fight, though. I'm saying he dominated the guy he was supposed to. Knocked him down for six, seven times. And like I said, it was a good performance. But I was thinking, watching the fight, that he's not ready for a guy like Rigondeaux, definitely. I think it didn't need to be said. But I would like to see that fight happen just because it'll be a you know unification type belt. Let me go ahead and uh, get the Cuban in on this one since you mentioned that uh, big cool. Um, Bo, what are your thoughts about... Um, I guess I know there's been a lot of talks about Rigo going down in the way, you know, the uh, face Yamanaka or, you know, some of the other Bantamweight champions. Okay, what did you say now? Uh, your thoughts on uh, Rigo going down in the way to face Yamanaka. Well, if you guys remember, I said that a while back. I said, man, Rigo should go down to 118 and fight Yamanaka. And we were saying, man, is that the route he's going to have to take because he was doing that once before. I definitely think now more than ever he should definitely go down to 118. Um, you know, we don't know what's going on with the Moses Flores fight because of the uh, because that fight got canceled due to uh, Kirkland Cotto fight getting canceled. There was rumors that uh, uh, Al Heyman was probably going to try to have it on Showtime, but none surfaced. So I definitely think he should he should be looking at Yamanaka because you you going down you go face the guy at 118 who's the, and he was a dominant guy at 118 so you can't it's not like people can knock that fight at all period you go fight a guy who's technically sound like you are who's very good and skillful and you fight him at 118 pounds and if you beat Yamanaka what can people really say about it and that's a fight that 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 I believe that could easily be made so I would definitely like that fight I think. That would be a more challenging fight for Rigo than Moses Flores would, uh, would be. So I'm all for that if he wants to make that move. All right. Um, let me get another angle from uh, 2K. Um, I guess I want to get your stance on um, that fight Rigo and uh, Yamanaka at 118 and another one we kind of been talking about over the past couple of days. Um, so let me get your thoughts on that one first. Rigo uh, moving down and wait to uh, – yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree 100% with Bo, and I actually expressed those sentiments a few times after we talked about it on the last podcast. Um, since motherfuckers don't want to fight Rigo at 122, I mean, and then niggas is literally running to 126. Um, also, Rigo is, is, is a – he's not a big 122. Um, and he would be a very small 126. Not a very small, but he'd just be a small 126. I think he should take that fight at 118. Now, um, my thing is with Rigo and his team, I think, um, you know, they really want him to be in a big money fight because he deserves it, and I agree 100%. You know, of course, we're harping on the past um, back in 2013 with him thoroughly dismantling uh, the uh, – Fucking uh, Nonito Donaire, I forgot his name for a second. But um, um, the fact that he hasn't been able to get fights is not his fault. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but at the same time, niggas don't want to fight him. Dudes that would give him big money fights don't want to don't want to fight him. So, I mean, it, it takes two to tango. So, I think he should make that move to 118 and take on a pound for pound guy and take his belt. That would be good for him. 
Um, he he would be able to make good money over there. I'm, I'm guessing facing Yamanaka over there as well. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's not it's not Leo, it's not Leo Santa Cruz or Carl Frampton money though. You, that's that's what I meant by that. It's okay. definitely not going to be that. Yeah. All right. Um, and another fight that uh you know I've been bringing up that I think is probably stylistically probably one of the ones I prefer to see. Uh, Yamanaka in that one eighteen right now. Uh, against the newly crowned uh, WBA uh, super champ uh, Zizi, Janet Zakikanov. Um, I know TK probably, uh, I know he definitely disagrees with me on this one. But <laughs> I think uh, it's definitely a good matchup um, for Yamanaka right now. Uh, you know, Carlson didn't, didn't win many rounds, but he did do something as effective pressure wise that I think a guy like Zizi. For 12 rounds, it would definitely, you know, be a uh, – I'd like to see it, you know, just to see how it plays out. Uh, let me get 2K's thoughts on it. I agree with you, man. I'd like to see it, too. Um, we just – we differ on the outcome. That's that's about it. But as far as, you know, saying that it would be a good little matchup for uh, uh, Yamanaka, a nice challenge for him, I agree with that, man. I, I just think he beat the shit out of ZZ, that's all. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean that 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 straight left. I mean the ZZ might be able to figure it out with a guy like uh, Hatton in this corner. I mean Possibly. eventually. So you know that. Possibly. I mean just that that right there, the whole Hatton thing in the corner and the style stylistically, it definitely makes for an interesting matchup. That one eighteen. Um, yeah, I agree. I guess let's go into uh, our next review, man. And uh, I'm going to start with TK on this one because I know he wanted to sound off already. <laughs> um, Tony Bellew versus David Hay. Uh, yeah, definitely a shocking uh, outcome for the majority of us. Um, Bellew yeah. won by uh, TKO in the 11th round. Man, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah definitely an odd fight. Um, I'm going to go on record and say David Hay needs to go ahead and lose his cornrows. He can't wear them anymore after this fight, man. You know, they weigh down, you know? down on his Achilles. So, you know, you got to get rid of those, bro. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go ahead, yeah. okay, let me let you go ahead and chime in on this one. Well, mainly, man, it's just, um, you know, I'm going to use a ridiculous term here. I'm fucking flabbergasted, you know what I'm saying, by these motherfucking Bellew fans, dog. Um, shout out to O'Hara Davies. I watched the press conference. Them Liverpool fans are fucking ridiculous. They're just as bad as Pacquiao or Triple G fans. Um, they booed the shit out of O'Hara Davies and David Hay. They they praised Tony Bellew and um, Matthew uh, Derry Matthews. They actually thought Derry Matthews, a guy who's been knocked out eight times, who lost his last <laughs> fight and got knocked out brutally, and his last fight by Luke Campbell was going to beat O'Hara Davies. Shout out to him. He dispatched this bitch-ass dude in three rounds um, in front of them dumbass Liverpool fans. Um, and, you know, he did what David Hay was supposed to do. Uh, on to David Hay, though, going into there, man, um, the first five rounds, bro, easily four to one, David Hay. And the one round was simply because David Hay got injured. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, Tony Bellew did well in the beginning of that fight. 
uh, eluding his punches. I got to give him credit for that. And that's as far as the credit goes. You know what I'm saying? David Hay was still able to catch him with numerous right hooks to the head. He would dip and come back up with another hook, uh, left hook to the head. Um, he, he caught him with those numerously. He also used his jab. He would jab first, and then he, you know, he would do a one-two, and then he'd try to follow up with a left hook. And a lot of that time, you know, Tony Bell, you would backpedal and get out of David Hay's way. And David Hay was too big and too lumbering in this fight, and he was going for the knockout, which I didn't like. I was basically saying he needed to calm down, um, missing too many shots, being too wild with his punch placement. But at the same time, he did land shots. He was on the aggressiveness. He was dictating the pace. Tony Bellew was completely on the defensive. And I understand why, because based on David Hayes' muscle mass and the fact that he told everybody that he was going to try to get Tony Bellew out of there within four rounds, he was going to go for the knockout, keep him on the defensive, elude all of his punches, make him punch air. He's going to get tired by round five. That was his, that was his game plan. When he gets tired, that's when you can mount an offensive attack and uh, pretty much take over the fight. Problem was, um, David Hay was banking too many of the early rounds to the point where if he had never gotten injured, he would have cruised to victory. I think uh, Tony Bell, you would have maybe um, uh, come alive, I say maybe by the seventh round. If, if Hay wasn't injured, probably by the seventh round, he would have came alive. He would have started winning rounds by then. Um, but at that time, it would, the moral of the story would have been, well, David Hay banked in too many of the early rounds for Bellew to have done enough to win the fight. That's exactly what would have fucking happened, okay? If, if Hay didn't knock him out late. Um, but he ends up what they say. Some people are saying he fucked up his Achilles. Some people are saying he tore his ACL. Um, initially, me and my wife were watching the fight. We thought he tore his ACL because uh, the movements that he was making were the same movements that my wife's mother and, and her sister did when they tore their ACL. So we were looking at that like, oh, shit, the nigga did the same shit that your mom and your sister did, look like towards ACL. At that point in time, I was saying they need to stop the fight. That was going into the round, into the sixth round, okay? Now, I didn't want the fight to stop because David Hay was dominating. But I was like, yo, he, he, they need to stop this fight. This motherfucker could barely walk, right? Watching this man get up going into six, going into the seventh, going into the eighth, the ninth, the tenth, and the eleventh, I found a new found respect for David Hay. I couldn't stand this motherfucker. And on the last podcast, all you listeners out there, I was going so far as to say, hey, if David Hay ever called me out, shit, I'm going to train and fight him. <laughs> Win or lose, I'm going to still fight the dude. That's, that's how much I didn't like David Hay. You know what I'm saying? But after seeing his heart in this fight, I have found a newfound respect for him. Now, of course, he didn't do what we expected him to do, right? But shit happens in boxing. He could have bowed out in the fucking in the one into the six rounds. That's what the majority of a lot of these fighters today would have done. They would have quit, okay? Their corners would have called the fight like I expected them to do. But none of that happened. So watching Bellew try his hardest to knock out a one-legged man and be unsuccessful showed me how limited of a fighter Tony Bellew is. And it's ridiculous that these fucking fans out there, these Bellew fans, are saying that Bellew is an A-class fighter 
Um, they're, they're actually agreeing with Eddie Hearn in the uh, ringside post-fight interview where he calls out Deontay fucking Wilder. Um, they're saying that Bellew dominated the fight. They're saying that David Hay was done. And they're not saying David Hay was done because of his injury. They're saying he was done because Bellew was whooping his ass. I mean, it's fucking asinine. I'm a guy that I, I, I will allow you to state your opinion, and I will respect it, okay? But sometimes, man, it gets ridiculous as to what these motherfuckers are really looking at. And it's clear that a lot of these dudes are extremely biased uh, towards certain fires. When it comes to David Hayes, a lot of motherfuckers hate him just like, I mean, I don't hate him. I just don't like him. But a lot of motherfuckers hate him. You know, they show a disdain for this, for David Hayes like I do. But the difference between me and the niggas that I fuck with on this podcast and my co-host on my channel, right, we know how to give credit where credit is due, okay? Tony Bellew did absolutely nothing, okay? Going into the 11th round, David Hay was hit by punches. It was a certified knockdown. But to me, it looked like the injury was more of a hindrance, which yeah. caused that unbalanced yeah. knockdown. Like you Tony Exactly. Then Tony Bellew actually knocking him through the ropes with his power punches. Okay? Now, on to my next point. Yes, he was knocked through the ropes. Yes, it was the 11th round. But David Hay beat the fucking count. He beat the count. Okay? At nine, David Hay was on his two feet and ready to go. So his corner throwing the towel in, I 100% wholeheartedly disagree with the stoppage simply because you should have stopped it in the fifth round. If you allow your man to go 15-plus minutes on heart and zero punishment, you know, uh, uh, in two of those rounds, right, um, further aggravate his injury for 15-plus minutes, right, the fucking least you could have done was allow him to start the 12th round, especially when he beat the count. Come on, okay? I understand mm-hmm. if he started the 12th round and he came out there and Bell uses laid some shit on him and knocked him down again and it was brutal, stop it, please. I agree. But the fact that this man had the, the courage, the confidence, the heart, okay, he had the undeniable will to want to finish. And, and, and this is the problem with a lot of these niggas. I told Bernard and shout out to my man Wilson, you know what I'm saying? I will not be listening to the opinion of any motherfucker who's never been in the ring and given the uh, opportunity to go out on their shield. I would not listen to their, their opinion about when a fight should be stopped any longer because they don't have the experience of being able to go out on their shield. And I gave the story about myself fighting in the amateur. I was fighting in a championship tournament, and I had a fucking concussion in the first round, and I still finished the fight. I gave the dude hell, only lost by two points. And I had to go to the hospital after the fight, but I was just glad I fucking finished. And that's exactly how I know David Hayes felt. So I know he felt that way. Now, another guy, I won't say his name, but I respect him, my dude. He kept saying, well, David Hayes didn't complain, you know, in the post-fight interview. He didn't say anything, so why do we complain? 
Dog, please use your common sense, fam. <laughs> David Head is not going to out his corner in public. He's not going to make his corner man look bad in front of the media. Now, what he says to his corner in private may or may not be different. We don't know. It's speculation. But I can tell you as an ex-fighter, David Hay wanted to finish, and his actions were speaking louder than words. If he didn't want to finish, he would have quit like Tony Harrison did. But he didn't. He got up, and he got back in the fucking ring. And before I pass it off to the rest of the panel, I want to give you all an example of a fighter a lot of these dumbass Bellew fans out there, dude, he was knocked out of the ring. Once you're knocked out of the ring, I mean, that's it. You don't have a chance. <laughs> Let me give you an example. Let me give you dumb motherfuckers an example. Nigel Ben was knocked completely out of the ring on his back against Gerald McClellan in the first round. I think it was 35 seconds. <laughs> mm-hmm. 35 seconds to the first round. He gets up, gets back in the fucking ring, and knocks Gerald McClellan out, actually retiring him. You know, shout out to McClellan. I hope he's doing well. But this was the fight that gave uh, McClellan a, a brain bleed. And it was a, oh, against a guy that he knocked out of the ring. So getting knocked out of the ring doesn't mean shit. You get 20 seconds to, to return into the ring. And actually, David Hay wasn't knocked completely out of the ring because they were only giving him 10. He was just knocked through the rope. And he beat the fucking count. So he should have been given the opportunity to start the 12th. That shit pissed me the fuck off. These Bellew fans are fucking delusional. Tony Bellew is a C-level fighter who got knocked the fuck out by Donna Stevenson at 175, and he has absolutely I don't, I don't no like. I don't like the way you're saying that, though. I don't like the way you're saying that about Stevenson. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He absolutely has no chance against Deontay Wilder. He absolutely <laughs> has no chance against Alexander Usyk. He may absolutely have no fucking chance in a third fight against Nathan Cleverly because he only won the rematch by split decision. Get the fuck out of here. Right. Now, 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 what I'm saying about that is... Get that nigga a I'm not, I'm not, uh, Hold on, hold on. I'm not shitting on Adonis. Adonis clearly beat the fuck out of Tony Bellew, but what I'm saying is Tony Bellew had no answers for one punch in that fight. Adonis Stevenson was literally chasing him with his left hand cocked, and he knocked him out in that manner. Tony Bellew is a C-class fighter. And this rematch needs to happen so David Hayes can knock this motherfucker out. Go ahead. All right. Uh, so TK definitely let it let his whole mind be known on this on this one. Um, let me get you guys take on uh, what's next rebellion, especially with some of his uh, post fight comments, such as uh, wanting to face Deontay Wilder. Um, what are his options? Does he need to stay at heavyweight, or does he need to take his ass back down to cruiserweight, where he's technically, uh, I want to say he's still the cruiserweight titleist uh, for the WBC. I'm not sure if he's uh, if they've uh, made a vacated fight for that or not yet. So, what do you guys think on that one? Um, I'll go ahead and pass it on uh, Bo to start out there. Um, Bell, you whatever his prospects heavyweight, or does he need to return to cruiserweight? Bo, Bo, yeah, he might be having those internet. Oh, he's muted, he's muted. He said, Okay, yeah, all right, Bo, uh, you with us? Yeah, okay. Uh, you said uh, what does WWE do? 
Yeah, does he need to stay at his heavyweight is where he needs to be at, or does he need to go back down to cruiserweight where he's technically still a WBC cruiserweight champion? You know, let me play troll for a minute here. And I'm going to say this. Since motherfuckers always got shit to say about Wilder, since motherfuckers always want to make talk shit and make it seem like Eddie Hearns is doing such a great job, Am I the only motherfucker who noticed that Eddie Hearns mentioned something about Bell, you fighting Wilder? So it seems like he's, he, okay, first you want to sit Ortiz on Wilder, now you want to sit Bell, you on Wilder. Like, you not want to see Wilder fight fucking AJ or what? So I'm patrolling <laughs> motherfuckers from that aspect, right, motherfucking there, okay? Because yeah. motherfuckers always got shit to say, but here you have a promoter that, What's the sister guy that shook out his ass with the only reason why he won the fight because his opponent towards Achilles. And he couldn't knock a one-legged fucking man out. But here you have nope. the promoters wanting to sick this motherfucker on Deontay Wilder. At the same time, you have motherfuckers want to criticize Wilder for, for fighting fake-ass opponents and have the audacity to entertain this shit. So for all you motherfuckers out there like that, like 2K said, suck a sick fucking dick. Yeah, stop being hypocrite. <laughs> okay, so all you motherfuckers out there like that talking that kind of shit, I, uh, a, sick, a sick dick, a sick fucking dick, suck it, motherfuckers, okay? <laughs> now, so that being said, if Tony Bergen wants to stay at heavyweight, then I don't give a fuck if he fight, uh, he could fight the number 100 ranked heavyweight. He's going to get his ass knocked out. Knocked out. <laughs> If you go back to Cruiserweight, you got Usyk, you got Rufus, you got Shuinov, you got Lennon, you got, he's going to get his ass whooped. Tom Bergen nope. got lucky in a fight that he won. Breaking up, bro. having more uh, difficulties. Uh, all right, so I guess I'll go ahead and uh, try and let his partner go in on this one a little bit. Uh, Bernard, which, what are your thoughts on Bellew and uh, his future? Uh, uh, I'm going to be real quick, and uh, I'm going to say a few things. Uh, I definitely agree with 2K's point. Uh, I'm going to say this as for his career. I think I'm going to piggyback off my uh, partner, Bo. I think Eddie Hearns, if he keeps Tony Bellew at heavyweight, has him stay at heavyweight, he's throwing Tony Bellew to a lion and Deontay Wilder to get beat up. And I don't want to see that. I'm just being honest. Don't want to see that fight, but I can see him basically, yo, here, you have to go through, go through so much to get to an Anthony Joshua, Joshua fight. So, hey, I'll throw you Tony Bellew first. You get through him. Get Ortiz. If he gets past Ortiz, then he'll have Anthony Joshua. That's how I'm kind of seeing it in terms of um, Eddie Hearn pretty much protecting him, possibly one of his uh, potential cash cows. Now, I feel that he should go back to Cruiserweight, and he should fight the Cruiserweight IBO champion in Marco Huck. Ooh, the IBO title, baby. Because he, he's a C, according to, um, <laughs> according to 2K, hold on, hold on, according to 2K, he's a C, he's a C level fighter. So, yeah. he can fight for, yeah. he can fight for the IBO belt. That's a double,
insulting him, man. Let him play for the IBO belt. <laughs> Well, why do you need the downgrade to the, the RBO from the WBC, though? Oh, really? It's not like an IBO title, bro. Y'all, like hold on, hold on. Hold on. I, 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 but, you, but, yeah, though, y'all don't like Tony Bell. Come on, now. <laughs> Give <him> a fuck. <laughs> Man, before I pass it back to Bell, since we got her back on, uh, let me just say uh, Bellew has actually been saying this is probably going to be his last year in boxing. So he's definitely looking to cash out in, in some fights, um, I can see. Yeah. Don't give this nigga no money. Fuck this dude. Yo, I need to put that Ether beat on. He's a he's a C plus level fighter. Don't get this nigga no money, man. Fuck this. They should have never gave him the WBC, man. But let me go ahead and pass. I guess he ran through that Creed money. <laughs> Bo, uh, did you want to finish out what you had to say? Because you had a, we had lost you uh, on your point about uh, Bellew. I mean, no, nah, listen, man. There's really nothing to finish up on. Look, this dude, Tony Bellew, he he had he he's had three great moments. He's had three times in his life he had his 15 fucking minutes of fame. Creed, the fight where he won the title, and David Hay. Kick this motherfucker out. Let's go. Let's move the fuck on. Yeah. I, I refuse to waste any more time. He's my favorite fighter, though. He's my new favorite fighter. You know what, bro? I'm about to, I'm about to set. Dude, I'm, about to Michael, I'm about to get a hold of Michael P. Jordan and tell this nigga to come back and whoop his ass again, dog. For real. Like, somebody. I'm Run that back. I'm not trying to see his face again, dog. Like, and, and it's really because, you know, I, I don't want to come off as a belly hater because I I've really never had an opinion about Tony Bellew. I've seen him fight a lot of times um, over in the UK before he was even on the world circuit. He's not a good fighter. He's a he's an average <laughs> fighter. So it's not it's there was no there was nothing for me to have a negative opinion about. Basically, nothing for me to hate on. But just watching him in the because I I always watch the stream until it ends. Because you'll see, like, you know, ringside interviews and shit. And I'm watching the ringside interviews. And in the ring, he was respectful. Ringside, he was cocky as fuck. And I'm watching Anthony Joshua, like, blow his skirt up and shit. You know what I'm saying? Anthony Joshua damn near basically gave him a fucking blowjob on camera. And I'm like, why the, why the fuck are they... Why are they gassing this whack-ass motherfucker up after he just fought a one-arm, one-legged... One eye, you know what I'm saying? Get the fuck out of here. Look, this look, I put it like this. He fought a handicapped opponent. What the fuck? Are we blowing his skirt up. Even my wife was like, "Yo, this nigga's black." My wife. Okay, man. They they gassing him up because they gassing him up because they want they want to see how he fares. Then after that, what they take? I put it like this. Might happen. Gotta want to know what it is. Yeah. Well, look, I'll put it like this. Tony Bellew looked better in Creed fighting than he does in real fucking life. Yeah, absolutely. If you watch the movie Creed, if you watch the movie Creed, they got you believing this nigga is an elite-level fighter. Hey, like I said, man. You know funny, though? Hold, hold up, Jerome, hold up. You know what's funny, bro? What's funny? I was telling people that have that don't watch boxing, that watch Creed, I made it a point to let them niggas know that in real life, Ricky Conlon is a C-level fighter. I, used to, I made it a point. I was telling niggas, hey, 
Yeah, that dude, because they, they'll ask me, hey, yo, is, uh, is that a real fighter? I'm like, yeah, that nigga's whack, though. He, this is just a movie. You know what I'm saying? I, I swear to God I was. Hey, and, and, hey <laughs> Billy Ho from South Park or with uh, Tony Bell, you too. Yeah. Hell yeah. Man, like, yeah. I hear what y'all saying. I hear what y'all saying about Bello. He is trash, but that nigga's a new favorite fighter. I don't give a fuck about the tour of none of that shit. <laughs> that motherfucker hate tasting defeat. And, and both of them tra- <laughs> both, they, they both trash. They both trash. Like three rounds. Yeah, fuck, hey. <laughs> All right, so we go. We go move on to our uh, to our next breakdown, man. Uh, uh, the car we actually had last night, uh, PBC on uh, CBS. Uh, we'll start it off with the the WBC Super Welterweight Title Eliminator, uh, Erickson moving, defeating Jorge Cota by a well, fourth round <laughs> knockout. Um, man, let me go ahead and start it off with 2KR, uh, analyst expert on this one. Um, yeah. What did you like from them? What you did like from moving in this fight? Um, I'll go ahead and let you start it off, man. Well, the one, the one, um, I appreciate the, the damn change in topic. Now I can fucking return to normal. Um, <laughs> there wasn't too much to, um, to gather in this fight. Um, that would be different than what I already know about. Um, you know, I, what was the cat's name? Jorge uh, Cotta. What was his name? Cotta. Yeah, Jorge Cotta. Cotta, yeah. He, he, he's just like any other fighter that uh, Erickson Lubin has fought. This wasn't a step up in competition, in my opinion, even though he was ranked number seven by the WBC. But, um, I mean, I guess the one thing I could take away from this fight was that um, – I like his foot placement. Um, he did very well um, with his foot placement in order to, to to have his punch placement, you know, go or at least put his punches where he wanted to put them. And that was evidence in the last the last actual uh, punch that, that caused a knockdown. And the dude was standing there um, at the perfect distance and pretty much timed his right or his left hook. Um, he actually waited on on Cotto to to throw a jab, and as he waited, he timed his left hook and hit him square on the fucking button. So, I mean, but I, I can't really say, man, that was great. <laughs> he'll, uh, he'll give Carlos some problems. I can't do that because Cotto is not a, a C-level fighter. Maybe, maybe he'd be D-plus. Oh, damn. Not. Yeah, I, I need him to – I need him to get in the ring um, – with a contender, a possible former champion, um, in order to go through adversity, granted that particular contender uh, doesn't land egg in that fight, so that if he does get the title shot, because let's just be real, Jamel Charlo is going to murder um, Charles Hadley. Charles Hadley is garbage. But um, <laughs> if he actually takes on Jamel Charlo, you know what I'm saying, he will have already gone through the adversity you know what I'm saying? And it, it won't be something new when they get in the ring, you know, whenever that happens. So my my thing was I need to see him against somebody who can possibly beat him, like an awesome Willie fight. Nelson. That was, Willie Nelson. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah, that's a good one. Willie Nelson, Vanez Martirosian, Austin Trout. You know, these are guys that have given everybody, the majority of people that they fought, hell, and they have an opportunity. I mean, we need to look at this fight on paper and be like, damn, 
I don't know who to pick. That should be his next fight, but it's not for a title shot. It's to get through that adversity aspect of the game. So, but all in all, he's still one of he he is my favorite prospect at one fifty four definitely. Like, uh, that's one of the things I thought was odd too that you know he was facing the number seventh ranked guy in uh, Coda. You know, considering uh, you, you got guys like Vinus Montarosian that were actually ranked ahead of Lubin uh, prior to his uh, eliminator. Um, you know, either and also the veterans like Ishay Smith and Austin Trout that are ranked, you know, near that, um, that, you know, that would have put up a better fight or, you know, been a better uh, opposition for him than Coda in this one. Um, let me go ahead and pass it on to Big Cool. Uh, what were your thoughts on uh, Lubin in this fight, or were you able to gauge much from it? Yeah, he wasn't able to gauge much from it. He did what he was supposed to do. He got the guy out there in a pressure fashion. He showed that he got that one-punch power, or he got the one-punch power against a lower-level competition, but he definitely isn't ready for Jamel Charlo. He needs to fight. Like we were saying last week, and TK just said, uh, Nelson, Trout, Monterosian, E.J. Smith, maybe. You know, somebody that's going to really, you know, test him mentally and physically in the ring. Until we see that, man, man can be seen if he really good or not. But, you know what I'm saying, he is, you know, talented. So, <clears throat> we'll have to see in his next fight. <clears throat> All right. Uh, so, I'll go ahead and pass it to Bernard on this one, man. Uh so he's now set up to be pretty much in this line to face uh, the winner, Charlo Hadley. Um, do you think that needs to be his next fight, or does he need to take, uh, you know, something in between then uh, prior to fighting uh, for a title against uh, Charlo? Uh, I know a couple of guys already said that he should probably take another fight to see how he does. But I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say I think he, he should go against Jamel Charlo. <clears throat> I think he should. Didn't William Williams fight? You know, get, get, once he got a shot against Jamal Charlo, he, did he fight a contender? That you no, he didn't. No, that was the problem. That was one of my biggest reasons for why I picked Jamal like a year prior, not a year, but a lot of months prior to the fight because Jamal, cause, uh, Julian didn't take on the next step before getting into the ring with a champion. He needed to get that contender status. That's what he should have done. But it, it is. Okay. No, no. I, okay. But like I said, I'm playing devil's advocate here. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that because I, you know, I agree with y'all, but I'm pretty sure I don't want to, I don't want to get caught boy. Okay. Yeah. But I say, look, you know what? He's a young gun. He got the puncher's chance. Let's see what he could do. I mean, we just looked at a couple weeks ago. We just had Jerry Hurd and uh, a prospect versus uh, Tony Harrison. We all knew, you know, who was a, somewhat a, a contender. And I'm not going to say a contender, but a decent competitor. We all knew who was going to win, but he's a champion now. So why shouldn't he get that shot? What I'm saying is, why does he need to wait? Let him get the shot. Let the young try. That's all I'm saying. Jamel and, and Tony are two different levels, you know what I'm saying? Jamel is exactly. exactly. superstar. He, he has superstar potential. Give me up. I'm playing devil's advocate. I, I know yeah, what I'm saying. You asked the question, I'm asking. 
I'm just yeah. saying it's just two different levels, man. Jamel isn't mentally weak. He, he doesn't have a bad chance. I mean, he's just a better fighter than Tony Harrison. And Lewis, he's just not there yet. You know what I'm saying? You were ruining him early, you know, and okay. you don't want to do that. Okay, let's let's take that one down again. I'm going to stay on it. How, with Jared Hurd being a champion, who should he go against in terms of as a contender? To go against, he go against somebody like an Austin Trout? Trout, you know Trout, what I'm Willie Nelson. I mean, somebody, I mean, somebody that's going to test him like those guys. You know what I'm saying? He can't fight Coda. I mean, that'll be no, a No, 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 I agree. That's what, okay, that's what I'm saying. He's a champion, but he, he went against somebody, and he he got himself a title shot basically because Jamal vacated the title, and he ended up moving up into the, uh, instead of being a title, uh, the idea of title eliminated, it was for a title shot. I'm saying, hell, let 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 the young gun try. You know what I'm saying? If he loses, okay, go back to the drawing board <clears> and, you know what I'm saying, just see what he needs to do. If he wins, but I'm, the shit. Ruben, I mean, I, mean, I see your point, but I'm – no, nah, man, no. Nah, I'm not nah. trying to – He, he is young. He is 21, so. I don't want to be on across the board with agreeing with y'all, so I'm coming from the devil advocate's point. That's all I'm saying. But look at it from that point, though. Well, that's I, all. Do, uh, y'all, I know y'all disagree, but that's all I'm saying. Uh, I mean, so we, now, we now see that Bernard needs to go to church since he likes being the devil's advocate <laughs> so damn much. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> casual, bro. Let me just be the casual. Not the devil's <laughs> 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 um, let me go ahead and get both thoughts on this one as well, man. What is, what's next for Lubin, man? Is he ready for it, Charlo? Man, y'all got me over here taking Buddha to bless somebody over here saying that kind of shit. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, I see where you're coming from. And here's, see, here's the thing. And 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 uh, those who know, I put something up asking everybody was Luby ready for a title shot based on what they saw last night. Now, <laughs> let me say this: there's a difference between Jared Hurd winning the title because he faced Tony fucking Harrison. But if Jared Hurd was to face was to have been facing Jamal Charlo. I wouldn't have gave I wouldn't have gave him that big of a chance. I'm just gonna keep it real, because Jamal Charlo got that kind of a dog inside of him. Okay. Yeah. And, like we, but and on top of that, like we said, the experience factor. So I said, well, you know, maybe Lubin should try to fight maybe Austin Trout, Willie Nelson. Hell, even look at Monterey, you know, Monterey, because he hasn't been in no wars and he hasn't been in the fight where, you know, he can bail himself out or get out of whatever trouble he's in with that left hand. But he still makes – I mean, listen, I think he's better than Jared Hurd, and I've said it before. I put him out there. He made some moves in that fight last night. That I, I noticed in that fight when he did that little dip move where he went down and came back up, fucking uh, Cody was standing with what's with, with, with the puncher stance. His legs was wide, and he was in the puncher stance. So when Lumen did that move where he went down and came back up, he did a quick feint, and he was, he was able to get a punch off faster. Than, than Coda because of the stance that Coda was in and knocked him out. But that's not how it's going to work on a veteran guy who knows when you do some shit like that, move out of the way. Step left, step right. You know what I'm saying? Don't stand right in front of him and let this motherfucker make a move like that without shooting something down at his ass. So uh, if his team feels he's ready for a title shot, you know, that's on them. Me personally, I don't think, based off what I saw against the level of opponent he had, no, I don't. I don't think he does. I don't. I don't think he is ready for uh, Eddie Zanilato or Jamel Charlo. I just don't think he's ready just yet. 
So um, where does he go from here? I think he he needs like a lot of these dudes are being thrown in the title shot fights and they're not being battle tested properly. And then what happens is they go to defend their title and we're wondering, damn, what the fuck wrong, man? You know what the fuck is he doing? What's wrong with him? It's not. What's wrong with him? What he's doing? He's never had to do what we're asking him to do against this level of opponent. You know what I'm saying? I mean, how many times have we seen the dude fight guys and win the title? Then he gets in there with a rough, rugged, C-level type dude, but he's a rough, rugged, C-level dude with some mileage on him, and he knows these ropes, and he gets in there, and he fucking struggles. He's Thurman and fucking Lewis Colossus. <clears throat> or, 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 you know what I'm saying? Hell, 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 even one dude was able to give motherfuckers problems because these are the kind of dudes that battle test and test you. That's what yeah, he needs. You know, he needs a battle test fight. And you know what, Bo? You made an excellent point just right now. And, and I'm not going to go into the Thurman-Garcia fight, but this is why I, one of the reasons why I picked Keith Thurman because of that experience that he had um, going through adversity in his last three fights. The fact that he actually went through adversity and came out on top showed him that he knows going into a fight with Danny Garcia that, that he may possibly go through it again so he could be composed in that situation. And that's why we got the result we got. So it, that's why going through adversity is a very important thing um, before you actually challenge a bona fide, certified, real champion for a title, man. It, it needs to happen. Right. I mean, wait a minute. Look at the heavyweight fight we just saw that dude fight Brazelli. And he thought Brazelli was yeah. done. But Brazelli, because yeah. of the fight for Anthony Joshua, was battle tested. And this dude got yeah, in right. there, blew himself out, and Brazelli gave him. And that's what I'm saying. Like, we got to stop throwing these dudes or see them fight through, like, we got to stop putting too much stock in wins over C-level fucking fighters. I'm just going to keep it real. We got to stop putting these wins, stock in these big wins against C-level fucking fighters, man. We got to cut that shit. Well, not us, but I'm saying the cat, mother's got to cut that shit out. He beat Coda. Okay? He's a C-level dude, but Coda had his moments that he shouldn't have had. He was catching him with the hook coming out because Luby was standing with his head too high. Okay? You yeah. do that shit against the Eddie's Larder. He will pepper you to death with that fucking jab. Or you do that shit against mm-hmm. the Charlo. He will launch that right hand down on you. So... That's all I'm saying, man. He needs a battle-tested fight, then move on from there. That's why I say Austin Trout, Willie Nelson, either one of them do. Because when I'm looking at Demetrius Andrade, Eddie Zanilada, Jamel Charlo, no, nah, man, I'm sorry, though. I don't, I don't even give Jared Hurd that big of a chance against them dudes like that, if, if, if we're if oh, being hell, honest. Hell no. Jared Hurd, and that's why I think Jared Hurd is the weakest link at 154 out of the champions, man. I mean, it, he's waiting to take a hell. He still needs to – I mean, he, he – he overcame adversity, but his skill level was just not good enough compared to the rest of the guys, the top-level fighters at 154. But um, in the in the post-fight press conference, it's funny you mentioned Boo Boo, they asked Lubin about Andre. And and as soon as they asked him about it, I was like, dog, don't answer that, fam. I was like playing that nigga's PR person, like, bro, don't answer that, fam. Like, go ahead and just let that question go off the shoulder, dog, because if you say anything wrong, <laughs> niggas is going to expect you to take on Boo Boo. You're going to get your ass beat, dog. You're too young for that. Yeah, hell no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it just, just goes back to my point to show you the WBC. I don't know how they, they made this entitled Eliminator. Coda was coming off of a 19-month layoff. There was guys ranked higher than him that would actually be in better opposition. Like I said, Ishe Smith minus Monterosa and even the Austin Trout, you know, he hasn't been on those layoffs that long. And, you know, he could have been brought in to face Lubin if they really wanted to 
to make this a solid eliminator. So, you know, uh, <clears throat> just with those shows right there, I mean, something had to be done with the WBC as far as that uh, being sanctioned as an eliminator. Um, I got to give my that, uh, credit where credit is due, though, with the 154 division. You know, these guys are defining the division, which is something that, uh, you know, we've been wanting to see. You know, we, we've been saying this stacked and talented, you know, by far compared to most of the other divisions, and now we're finally seeing, you know, the separation starting to take place. So that's a good thing I'm liking in uh, the 154 division right now. Uh, yeah, it is too soon for Lugan to go against a Charlo, though. Um, he does need to go against, uh, I guess, a more solid, solid proven veteran uh, before stepping up for that uh, title eliminator or for that title shot, I think, as well. So I agree with the fellas on that. Um, let's go into the main event, though. Um, we got Keith Thurman defeating uh, Danny Garcia by a split decision. Uh Shit. He's now with the WBC and WBA Unified uh, Welterweight Champion. Uh, so hats off to uh, one-time Thurman for his victory last night. Um, I'll go ahead and start it off with uh, being cool on this one, man. Uh, what were your thoughts about the fight last night? And Thurman won it. <clears throat> I mean, a lot of people I see kind of conflicted about who really won. I don't think it's a question of who won just how close the fight was. Thurman was the more versatile fighter, uh, landed the harder shots, the cleaner shots. He did move a lot, but, I mean, you can't blame him. You can't criticize him for that because some of the greatest fighters in history that we put on the pedestal, you know, they're known for, you know, having great foot movement and, you know, utilizing that. So you can't really criticize him for that. Hey, man, he, he just couldn't, you know, he couldn't really counter and time him effectively. He doesn't have a the best foot speed or movement, so he he was fucked from that point. He showed he had a great chin. I mean, he just didn't seem like he, you know, he did push the pace of the fight, but he wasn't aggressive. He didn't jab enough. He didn't go to the body enough like I thought he would. That's why I picked him to get the stoppage because um, I didn't think he would be able to outbox Thurman. I thought that he would let his hands go and work the body a lot more than he did, um, but he just didn't. I don't know, you know, what it was. Maybe once he tasted the the you know, the power of Keith kind of changed his whole, uh, you know, game plan and approach. But Thurman did what he's supposed to do, man. He, he boxed, he used, uh, you know, his movement, his jab. You know, he landed some nice body shots of his own. And he did come out the aggressors trying to set the tone early on in the fight. I felt that he wore down um, in the second half of the fight, which made it closer than it should have been. Um, but, like I said, props to Keith Thurman for unifying those two titles and putting on a, a good performance, man, and, you know, keep etching his name, you know, amongst the best um, fighters today. So, you know, props to both guys. Danny has to really now. No more easy touches for him. You know, like somebody was saying, he has to, you know, fight top guys now to get back to, you know, title contention. So, you know, got the Porters, the Broners, the Spences, the Brooks. So, he, he's going to have to, you know, put some work in to, uh, you know, get back to that position which he looked super defeated after that fight and understandably so because it was his first L. But, man, he looked real like he probably was going to cry in the car. But, like I said, it was a good fight. And props to, uh, for Keith, props to Keith for doing what he's supposed to do. And Danny just got to, you know, go back to the drawing board and, and get better and find a way to get better if he can and, and, you know, come out next time and get a W. 
All right. Um, I'm gonna pass it on to TK, man. Uh, what happened and what didn't happen uh, in that fight? I guess <laughs> from both sides, uh, just to get a breakdown on the fight, because there was a, you know, there was a quite a bit of, I guess, different discrepancies between the scorecards. You know, you had one judge scoring at eight, eight rounds to four, another round scoring at uh, seven to five. And other one seven to five for Garcia. So, what were some of the things you thought added or aided in uh, <clears throat> those scorecards, too, okay? Well, before I start, don't think I'm gonna let you on Big Cool off the hook, nigga. Y'all niggas <laughs> stop going against me, but no. <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah! Hell yeah! <laughs> Y'all need to just, whenever we do predictions, just let me, Bernard, and Bo do it. Y'all niggas don't say shit from now on. Now. Uh, <laughs> uh, I knew that shit was coming, man. I was like, hey. nah, but, <laughs> nah, but uh, it, I mean, it was it was a 50-50 fight going in. Um, so getting a prediction wrong in this fight don't even matter. Um, but anyway, um, to, to answer your question, I'm going to try to answer your question as without so many words, but if I, if I can, but <clears throat> there's a lot that Keith Thurman did um, that I said in my, in uh, my pre-fight prediction video on my channel. Um, he did pretty much everything I said he was going to do. I think I predicted it all the way down to the outcome. I said Keith will win by split decision. But the problem is um, I hate that I was right 100% because Keith should have actually won by unanimous decision. Um, I had him winning eight rounds to four. Uh, I think the first judge had an eight to four for Keith, if I'm not mistaken. <clears throat> um, another judge scored 10-10 or 10-10 rounds. Uh, that that if he would have just scored a 10-9 like he's supposed to, um, Keith would have been winning. Would have won eight to four on that card as well. But um, but like I said, Keith did everything he was supposed to do. Danny did everything I said he should not do. The one thing that I mentioned that I said was imperative for Danny Garcia to win this fight was that he could not stand flat-footed and stagnant and only wait to counter. I said, because in that case, and it's funny because Keith Thurman said this after the fight in the post-fight press conference, I said in the prediction video, all Keith can do literally is just jab this motherfucker and just box circles around him. He could just use the, I mean, he doesn't have Eric Lundy lower type of footwork, but he has enough footwork to actually stay on the outside and be comfortable against a, a flat-footed and stagnant and very slow-moving Danny Garcia. That's exactly what Keith said in the post-fight. He was like, shit, all I did was just box him from the outside. I knew I could do that because he's not, he's not going to move. So I said it was imperative that Danny be first. He use his jab, and he come forward, dictate the pace, and keep Keith Thurman on his back foot. Keith Thurman is known for not being able to fight off his back foot. He will throw punches off his back foot. There's a difference between throwing punches and being able to fight. Being able to fight means that you can actually put together a well-educated offensive attack on your back foot. Keith Thurman will just throw punches to keep niggas off him, but it's not educated. It's not a sustainable offensive attack. You can actually catch him while he's on his back foot. Also, his defense is gone. He doesn't have very good defense to begin with, but when he's on his back foot, he has no defense. You know what I'm saying? So... That's what Danny should have done, um, but he didn't do that. And I'm telling my wife, I'm like, yo, he just he's standing there just waiting to counter. He's going to get caught every time. And I think it was by, like, the fifth round, Keith actually figured out how to elude the left-hand counter. What he would do is he would step in, he'd wait, 
and he'd throw the right hand, and as soon as he'd throw the right hook, he would dip left and uh, uh, duck low and come back up on his right side. And he ducked Danny Garcia's left hook almost every single time at that point. Um, so when I saw that, I was like, yo, Danny's got to do something else. He can't just stand there and wait to fucking count him with the left hook. Um, the one thing that I feel Keith didn't do, which if he would have done, he could have easily won all 12 rounds. Two things, actually. One, I wanted him to use the jab more. He did it later in the fight, um, but it was more so when he was not really fighting anymore and he was giving up those rounds. And my second point was that fact right there. He, Me and my wife were saying, yo, he needs to keep fucking fighting. Don't just act like you got this fight in the bag. You are in fucking Brooklyn. Don't act like you got this fight in the bag. You need to keep fighting. And to answer your question, I think that's why the scorecards were so close because the rounds where he didn't really fight, he was just trying to be um, smart and stay away from danger. The judges gave those rounds to Danny Garcia. And that's actually the only – I gave Danny four rounds. Three of those rounds were because he didn't fight him. That's literally why my shit was eight to four. So – but if he would have used his jab more, if he would have fainted more, um, when you're fighting a counterpuncher, as I said on my prediction video, a counterpunching style is actually not the best style to be in. Um, if you're a 100% counterpuncher, you are actually at a disadvantage in the game of boxing. Because in order to be effective, you have to mix it up. You have to add in different elements with your style. You can't just wait because niggas can just tee off on you or they can box you. They're master class boxers, right? They don't even really have to be that. So I was telling him, okay, Keith, you need to faint because you'll get Danny Garcia to react. And when he reacts, that's when you throw. If he's just going to stand there and be a counterpuncher, faint this motherfucker to death. Make him think you're going to do something. Stump your foot. You know what I'm saying? Move your shoulders a little bit. Bucket the nigga. And he's going to be like, oh, shit, I need to do something. And that's when you can catch him. So, I mean, it, it, I still rate, I rate Keith Thurman's performance at A-, minus because, like I said, there's still things in that fight um, that he didn't do that I would have loved to see him do. But I rate Danny Garcia's performance a C-. minus. And, by the way, Angel Garcia is – probably the worst trainer in boxing at this point. If you go back and listen to the corner, he said absolutely nothing. He has he you could tell that Bend your knee. Bend your knee. And yeah. Ben, what the fuck? Even, even my wife was like, why do you tell him to bend his knees? <laughs> it was like Angel Angel has no idea how to give Danny the proper instructions to fucking come out of being facing adversity, meaning he 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 pretty much harps on Danny being able to do it himself, and that's yeah, Danny does that he, it. Yeah. yeah, 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 and, and yeah, and he's he's been really good at doing it. Exactly. That's why I actually just said to somebody just like five minutes ago, he's been good at doing it himself. But Keith Thurman was a whole other animal in the situation. He needed guidance. Danny never really needed to make. How do I say He's never really needed to make adjustments to where he changes to a plan B. Uh, against Kendall Hope, he didn't make adjustments. He just fought harder. Same thing with Zach mm-hmm. Judah. Same thing with um, um, uh, uh, Robert Guerrero. Yeah, Matisse. The fights where he needed to make adjustments, he either unofficially lost or lost. Like Mauricio Herrera, he really needed to make adjustments in that fight and go to a plan B. He couldn't do it. Lamont Peterson, 
He really needed to make adjustments in that fight and go to a plan B. He couldn't do it. Keith Thurman, same thing. And for the first time for me, I don't know about you guys, this is the first time I actually seen Angel try to give him proper instructions to make those adjustments to go to a plan B, and he felt miserable. I mean, it was, it was terrible, bro. I'm, I'm, saying what, I'm saying to the TV what Angel should be telling Danny. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it was, it was an excellent fight, but I think Danny really needs to get rid of Angel Garcia if he wants to continue. I think he, he could be a problem from 140 to 147, definitely. He has the skills to do that. Um, he's still a good fighter. He's still a smart fighter. But I think Angel is taking him as far as he can. Um, and my yeah. last point, and I, I, my last one, I'll let y'all have it. The only criticism I have of Keith Thurman is that in the post-fight press conference, the nigga was kind of scared to mention Errol Spence. My brother kind of, they mentioned, they talked about Errol. You saw the nigga kind of do a little Harlem shake and shit like, ooh. He's getting slow though. He's getting slow though. You get the split decision versus Danny. I mean, Earl is a whole different animal. I mean, he's going to be able to cut that ring off. I mean, we I just hope, I hope Spence, man, we ain't going to talk about it too much, but I hope Spence, you know, validate what we're saying about him, man, because I hate him to, you know, not look good come May, but, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but Thurman, you know, he's getting that Mayweather on. He don't want Spence. Oh yeah, I, he definitely living in the moment, man. He living that unified shit to the T. I mean, because that's yeah. uh, he's a corny motherfucker too, man. He corny as hell. <laughs> yeah, he's very. And his, <laughs> hey, and his power, and, and not to knock him, but his power kind of starting to be overrated. I mean, because you know, since he stepped up against Guerrero, he haven't really knocked nobody out, and you know, oh, no. so, and, and that's and that's a part of boxing. That's a yeah. part of boxing. When you when you try to when you step up and start fighting, I mean Guerrero's not A level, but when you stop fighting a bunch of C D and F level fighters, um, your power can be easily exposed. You're not gonna get those kind of knockouts you would at the B and A level. So yeah, that's 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 not anything new in boxing. So yeah, but, it, but I'm he has to really leave himself open to, to let off those I'm, power shots. I'm proud that he's able to adjust to the fact that, hey, because Danny, like I said in my video, he has a granite chin. You're not knocking this nigga out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he was hit with some hellacious shots, and Danny was still coming forward. You're not not. Danny has the best chin in boxing. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. He has the best chin in boxing. It's better than Canelo, okay? You're not knocking this dude out, all right? Um, yeah. But that said, Thurman, Thurman was able to make the adjustment um, knowing that his power was not going to get the guy out of there. And I'm proud of him for doing that. And I knew he would do it. All right. Uh, Bo, you got anything you want to add on to this one, man? Bo. All right. Uh, I'll pass it on to your partner in crime, Bernard, man. Anything you want to add in on this one as far as uh, your thoughts on, the, uh, on Thurman's performance? Um. Man, I don't want to sound like a broken record coming back after uh, these two guys, but I am going to say this. He told y'all, too. He told y'all Thurman was going to win. Man. Fuck Thurman. No, no, no. Take this whooping. <laughs> <laughs> Take this whooping, man. We told y'all, man. But no, Danny Smith, Danny Ch- Smith's cherry picker. Oh. 
It's Chuck well, Lepo. Probably want to get it. Dominating. Oh, my God. Yeah, we did. Y'all was hoping that that's what Cherry Pick was going to win. Shout out to Keith oh, Thurman, a.k.a. Daddy Boy Killer. That's his third day. Oh, oh, daddy boy killer. Yeah, yeah, shut up. Yeah, you had no chance to talk. Oh, some shit on me a casual. Some shit on me a casual would say. Some shit on me casual would think of. Hey, he took out. He brought the Porter. He lost the Porter. He beat. No, he didn't. He beat Porter. Get out of here with that shit. He lost the Porter. He lost the Porter. Y'all niggas salty. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go ahead. I thought he lost the porter. I'm gonna start calling y'all niggas. I'm gonna start calling y'all niggas Morton. Y'all niggas named Morton. Morton one, Morton two, old salty ass niggas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Yo. <laughs> but yeah, I want to say this though, and I know 2K probably gonna laugh at this because I know he what he saw what I posted. My casual side had the fight score. One nineteen to one oh nine. God damn. Yeah. Hey, only hey, I only gave Garcia your one round. And that was the seven. When I rewatched the fight. Yeah, I was a casual mode. I was a casual mode. I'm not gonna sit there live, you know what I'm saying? I was biased as hell. Shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> so I, I saw when they gave when they gave when they said it was a split decision, I was like, Oh no, don't sit down like man. Smith is about to get a gift. But thank God to the boxing God. Thank him. I guess you're going to thank 2K. So let me get, get y'all's opinion on this. Did the fight live up to the hype uh, that, you know, we've been seeing as far as them beefing in the media, Angel Garcia, antics at the press conferences? <clears throat> fight live up to all that, you know, especially being a 147 unification. You know, the comparisons, the Ray Leonard and Hearns we were seeing you know, uh, over the last week or so, you know, uh, in the previews, did it live up to any of that? Nah. I mean, nah, not really. I mean, it lived up to what it was supposed to be. It was a 50-50 fight. I mean, it wasn't. I don't like to compare stuff all the way back then because it's not going to be like that. But, I mean, it wasn't Porter Thurman, put it like that. So, okay. You know what? It's because I'm, I agree with I agree with Big Cool. Um, and it's because, by the way, Bo said I'm mute him again. But um, I agree with Big Fool to the extent of it did it, it, it lived up to the hype based on what it was supposed to be or, or for what it was. But yeah. that's because Danny was so smart. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Keith Thurman was so smart. That's why I feel like it, it, I feel like it lived up to the hype. Keith went in there and did exactly what I said he needed to do to win. That that was my hype right there. If one of these guys could do that, so I mean. There was, I mean, I agree with you. I, I didn't think it was going to come in and be no, like, Sugar Ray on the Tommy Hearns fight, just based on how Danny Garcia fights. Yeah. So, I, I mean, know it's not a welterweight fight, but I didn't think it was going to be, like, a, a war between, like, like Marlon Hagler versus uh, Tommy yeah, Hearns. I didn't think it was going to be that. Well, I, I think so, so I mean... So take it for what it was. It was it was it was it was a fifty fifty fight that we, we all called we made our decision. It could have gone either way based on the weaknesses if the fighter uh exploited uh, the other fighter's weaknesses. Thurman did what he's supposed to do. But I have a uh I had a question, but uh, I'm gonna let 
Uh, is Bo on? Yeah, he back on. Okay, I'm going to let him speak. Then I had a question I want to throw out to y'all. Bo? Yeah, hey, uh, yeah, man. Um, sorry about that. You know, 2K went on that long-ass soliloquy, and we lost power down here and shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I went to the store, got gas and everything, and grocery shops, and came back, and he was still going. But no, uh, let me, you know what? Here's, what? here's what people got to understand is, first of all, stop thinking that today's fighters are going to give you the fights we saw back in, back in the day. Those were different fighters, okay? They were totally different fighters. These motherfuckers, those fighters back then was bred for them kind of fights. These dudes nowadays are more office motherfuckers than they are fighters. All right? Yeah. That's, no, that's, that's number one, okay? Secondly, um, to 2K's point, the, big, the biggest difference in this fight to me and 2K had a lot of great points, but the one point I'm going to harp on and I was going to harp on and he went on it was the trainers. The same trainer Keith Thurman had, that's the same dude that Winky Wright had. This dude knows, like, every time he gets somebody good, he, he, he elevates cats and he takes them places. Why? Because he knows how to fucking train guys, okay? Uh, Angel Garcia is not a trainer. He's fucking Danny's father. And what yes. we saw last night is what 2K said. Angel Garcia has been able to coattail ride off of Danny Garcia's ring intelligence because we damn sure know it ain't from his fucking own. And we saw the difference between a trainer who has ring intelligence, who has ring experience, who has fighter experience with training fighters, running the gym with different fighters, and taking different guys' places and things of that nature. We saw the difference in the corner. I watched exactly what Keith Thurman trainer was telling him and then I watched what Danny Garcia, a trainer, or what Angel Garcia was telling Danny, and I was saying to myself, this motherfucking fight is done. All Keith got to do is listen. This, this, this shit's done. Okay? They had a plan A. They had a plan B. They had a plan C. And the reason why this fight, like, I, I, I heard guys say, for these to be two young, undefeated guys, it should have it been more than that. Here's the thing. This is what people got to get in your head. We always talk about how style makes fights. The Sean Porter-Keith Thurman fight might have been better to some people is because of the way Sean Porter fights. Sean yeah. Porter's a pressure fighter. He was coming at him. Danny Garcia is not a pressure fighter. What did I say? I said Danny Garcia is good in between the combinations, meaning he needs you to throw for him to try to catch you or something. He's good at that. Okay? I said that. If this was a situation where Keith Thurman wasn't giving Danny, he wasn't standing there waiting for Danny to hit them with the exchange. Keith was moving, he was moving, he was moving, he was giving him lateral movement, he was prepping him with that jab, and every time he would hit him for something, he was moving out the way. Keith wasn't as flat-footed, okay, as he wanted to be. When Keith Thurman hurt Danny and then didn't finish him, he, 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 he switched up, went back into the game plan, he said, okay, listen, I'm not going to knock this dude out, okay, so I got to stick to the game plan here, all right? He was giving Danny angles, and then when Danny was refusing to cut off the ring, Keith was like, oh, shit, I do this all day long. Now, when the fight first started, <clears> Keith <throat> came out aggressive, had Danny backing up, and Danny, in his mind, was thinking, okay, he's coming at me. That's what I want him to do. But then as the fight went on, like what he did in round one, he didn't do in round two. What he did in round two, he did some different in round three. So he yeah. was giving Danny different looks constantly to where the adjustments he wanted Danny to make, he couldn't make them because of the fire. So 
for people, like the fight played out the way I said it would too, like, like we was talking about. I said, listen, all Keith Thurman got to do is box him. Why? Because Danny Garcia has trouble against boxers. We saw that against, the, uh, you know, the Lamont Peterson fight. He has trouble against boxers. He struggles with it. So that's all, all we got to do is box him. So the, the fight, you know, of course it's not going to live up to a lot of people. Like some fights just aren't going to live up to the hype because you're going to have a situation where you have two good fighters and one, one fighter has the ability to work his game plan, then the fight's not going to go the way people want it to go. And, that's, and that's, that's just the reality of it. If you get a fighter that has an excellent game plan and he can work that game plan, like Floyd Mayweather, we say this all the time, if Floyd could beat you with the jab, even Rigo, like Cuban fighters, if they could beat you with the jab, then, man, you know what, dude, they're going to beat you with their jab. Why make it hard on themselves? And that, that's what I got out of this fight. Keith Thurman didn't make the fight harder than what it should have been, like he did against Colazzo, like he did against Robert DeGos Guerrero. He made them fights harder than what they should. He didn't do that in this fight. Because he learned from their fight. So, you know, for everybody that wants to say, you know, talk about it, they didn't fight and live at the height and the board and fight and all that, the fight had its moments, but at the same time, you have to understand what you're watching. You're watching a guy work his game plan, and the other guy's job is to stop him from working that game plan, which Danny did not do. And that's Absolutely. the thing. Danny yeah. did not do it. Danny didn't do anything to make Keith Thurman give up his game plan. You know, and that that's the thing. So, um, outside of that too, like 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 uh, Danny Garcia, he didn't go to the body strong enough. And what I mean by strong enough is he didn't fully commit to the body. He was just doing it when he had the opportunity. Okay, so he didn't fully commit yeah, to going to the body. Like they talked about in the pre game plan, he didn't. He definitely didn't go to the body as much as they made a made no yeah. Exactly. Okay. Also. um, and, and I hate this. I, I don't know why fighters do this shit. Danny waited to what, the 11th and 12th round to start coming forward trying to track Keith. Why did you do exactly. that in the 10th round? Why wasn't that shit done, exactly. you know what I'm saying, from the 5th round on? Okay? Keith Thurman did something smart. And I said this to somebody because somebody was like, I was, I was, we was watching a fight here in the DR at the bar, and everybody, when they heard that split decision shit, motherfuckers ready to throw shit at the TV. They couldn't believe what they was hearing when they heard split decision. But Keith Thurman, yeah, Keith Thurman in this fight, he did. Keith Thurman is normally known, and I think Danny was hoping this. Keith Thurman gasses out because he he punches so hard, and he's such a hard puncher that he gasses out. Well, in this fight, Keith wasn't trying to punch hard to gas out, and then he was doing subtle things to reserve his, his tank a little bit. So when the twelfth round came, he was able to still be fresh and still be strong, and. Those were moments I felt Danny should have jumped on. Like, dude, he's trying to conserve energy. Jump on this motherfucker. Jump on him. It makes him uncomfortable. And he didn't do that, see? So, although, you know, you can say what you want about the fight, but the bottom line was we saw one dude who had decent ring intelligence, decent ability, but an excellent corner versus a guy that had decent uh, 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 ring ability probably a little bit more edge in the, in the ring got cute, but didn't have the proper corner that he needed. Everything worked in Keith's favor that night because Danny didn't have all of the parts that he needed to win, and he didn't do, he didn't do what he should have done to win. When you're in a fight, like 2K said, when you're in a boxing match, when you're, it was, even in sparring, you know when you're getting your ass fucking whooped. You know when, man, I need to do something here because this dude is getting me. You know this shit. Yep. And you have to make those adjustments or make them changes. 
Danny didn't do that. And that's what, that's what I want people to understand. Danny didn't do what he needed. Keith did what Keith should have done. He didn't give Danny a chance to fucking hit him and touch him. He did that. That's, that's, what, that's what you're supposed to do when you're in there against another guy that you know has the ability to put you out to. Keith did it. Danny didn't do it. All right. Uh, Bernard, you want to add something in or a question? Uh, we're going to try and get through real quick. Uh, um, basically, I wanted to ask... Well, both kind of answer the, the the question, so I got a different question. Who do you think will be a good trainer for Danny Garcia to move to? Should he get away from, with it from his father? Well, let me take I'm gonna put up, put up, put up uh, I'll take this one, man. Uh, he in Philly, and I've said this before. I, I'm not sure why he's never going with Brother Nassim, man. He in Philly. Like, I've always felt that was some something he would have done a while back. You know, uh, so that that's why I think he should go with ultimately uh, Philly connection. I seen Richardson. Maybe Bread, man. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Maybe Garcia. Yeah, I think, Garcia. The, Brett, Brett, I think Brett, the Breadman said in my yeah Breadman said in the interview we gave him that he has a, a really good relationship with um, Danny Garcia. So I don't I, I don't see that not happening if he were to seek that, I, that opportunity. I'm glad Danny because I was I, I was really? just going to say, I think the biggest, I think the biggest question is who would be able to work with Angel Garcia. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't see, I don't see Danny, but yeah, yeah, that is something I don't see Danny letting loose of. I mean, so that is true. Angel probably would have to be in the picture somewhere here, but uh, we gonna move on to our yep. next topic. Uh, the WBC has finally got around to disciplining Alexander Povican. Um, they fined him $250,000 for failing to uh, drug test, and uh, he's been suspended indefinitely from their uh, WBC protocol or WBC sanctioned fights. Um, I'll go ahead and start off with Bo on this one, man. What are your thoughts? Uh, do you feel the punishment fits? Is, uh, you know, everything that's, that is entailed? Uh, what are your thoughts on that, man? Uh, this is the part where I ask everybody who's listening if they watch horror movies. Because what I want people to do is play the Jason. Because this shit right here, let me say this. The WBC been fucking around forever with not wanting to pull the fucking trigger when it comes to fucking perfecting. Like, this shit should not have taken this fucking long for us to find out. Okay? You know, them chicken shit-ass motherfuckers Waited this long on some shit you already know. This motherfucker was guilty from the first fucking time he did it. But because of a goddamn technicality or uncertainty or whatever, fuck you want to call it, you didn't want to pull the goddamn trigger. And then, because you didn't want to pull the trigger on that, fucking, you know, Stavern is, is, is in a mandatory spot because you didn't want to pull the fucking trigger on that shit either. Okay? So, as much as motherfuckers want to clap, sit the fuck down. I'm not clapping for them. Because this shit has been bullshit from good one with them sorry, wannabe, punk-ass motherfuckers down there that don't want to pull a fucking trigger. The fucking organization of a goddamn belt, pull a fucking trigger and let it be what it is. Now, they finally pulled the fucking trigger, but it took two times. With that being said, this motherfucker shouldn't even be, it shouldn't even be entertained anymore to talk about this dude. At all, motherfucking, him, Lucas Brunny, all of them. 
it, we shouldn't even be entertaining talking about them no motherfucking more. $250,000, what the fuck is that? Well, how would you fire the dude 250 when you know the motherfucker that's sponsoring him got billions? Like that, shit, like, that shit fucking hurt him, okay? Are uh, they're, they're not testing. 
and one of these guys with natural talents, man, one of these one of these big American fighters that that got some talent is going to end up running into one of these Eastern Europeans and getting hurt because these other organizations aren't taking the the steps that the uh, the WBC is with Nevada. And like I said, I'm not backing the WBC. There's a lot of fucking politics involved in any sanctioning body, um, whatever, whatever it is. But, you know, I mean, it, it, it is what it is. I mean, Povetkin, I'm glad he's fucking out of there. He, he is. He's dirty. And most of these Russians are dirty. And this goes all the way back to their fucking amateur program. I think every one of their fucking boxers tested dirty for, for the Olympics. I mean, fucking 90% of their Olympic team was dirty. So yeah. this is big. This is bigger than this is bigger than boxing. Yeah, they banned the whole Russian team from participating in this past Olympics because of the yeah. uh, steroid issue over there. So it is a big issue with the Eastern European countries. Um, just let me get your uh, clarification on the stacks. Uh, so you said the 250k is just an automatic uh, by contract or whatever they agree to, or is this something that the WBC can actually go back and find more on, um, or is that just already already stipulated? No, this, this this was already this was already stipulated when they first signed up for the for the VADA testing for the clean boxing program. It's it's already stipulated in the contract. Now, um, I got I got ties out here with the WBC, so I basically I can get in, I can talk to Mauricio, I can talk to Nancy Rodriguez, and I can get some more information on this. And um, anytime you guys want like shit from the WBC, if you need me to talk to somebody from in there, I have no problem doing that, man. And I will give you guys a straight answer. If you guys call bullshit, you guys call bullshit because I don't work for them, but I have ties to get in there and question these guys. And if you guys are ever in, out in LA. You guys want to go to the WBC offices and, and talk to these guys? Let me know, man, because I ain't got no problem going in there and uh, and taking you guys in there as well, man. We can sit down as media. They usually have like something like it's called like coffee on Tuesdays or whatever, where they allow media in there to talk to to Pepe Suleiman and Mauricio Suleiman if he's in there, if he's in the LA office. But uh, they'll give they'll give you answers, and I'm I'm sure you know a lot of it is is bullshit. But I mean, the offer's out there for you guys. All right, definitely appreciate you coming on again, Stax. I'm pretty sure you want to chime in on a couple of the topics we've got coming up. Uh, we're going to try and shorten this one up and let it come out. I got a question for Stax, though. Okay, go ahead, Bo. Yeah, hold on. Before you move on, I got before you move on, I got something to say as well. Go ahead, Bo. Okay, cool, cool. Hey, Stax, I just want to ask you this now. Uh, we know that you know they are the only ones with the clean boxing program, but. Uh, Shouldn't there be something placed where first offenders get heavily fined and heavily suspended to deter others? Because what I, I don't want there to be a three-struck rule for them to, to really suspend people heavily and fine them. It should, shouldn't it, do you, is the WBC aware that they should have some stamper in place for first-time offenders so we don't have to worry about repeat offenders? No, exactly. I think I think there should be too. I think there should have been a heavily uh, a heavier fine. Um, I this is just my opinion. I think it was um more of them being scared of the, the, the Russian money and, and counter suits and counter lawsuits. Yeah. If if that Absolutely. if that second sample came back clean. You know, if you, you go after that the, the, the sample A and it's dirty but then the sample B comes back clean, then they're opening up yep. themselves to litigation. But that's just my opinion. And like I said, I can I can no. talk to the PR and find out why they didn't go after him. But like I said, they, they knew back in October he, he uh Mauricio put out a statement in October saying that hey once this uh, litigation with Wilder, we send this to court, and Wilder wins it, then we're coming after him full force. And before before the Wilder litigation was even up, he had already tested positive for a second time. So. 
Um, were and were these samples related to any of them related to Stavern or just the Wilder? Uh, the Wilder uh, situation. No, it's both. This, this one, this one's on both. This this one's on both. It's on the Stavern and the Wilder. Okay. Because the the, the the B sample they sent to UCLA for Stavern, and that one already came back dirty as well. And he uh he he didn't even try to fight that one. He didn't appeal okay. it. He didn't do anything. <clears throat> All right, uh, TK, you said you wanted to chime in on this topic as well, man, uh, so go ahead. Yeah, I agree with um, I agree with both parties. Um, I, I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly agree with Bo, you know what I'm saying, that they needed to have much different, harsher penalties. And I even said, what, I made a video on this, what, back in December, right shit, right after Povekin got caught for the second time, um, right before the, the Bermain-Severn matchup, I said that, he and Lucas Brown should both be suspended indefinitely because they both got caught twice within six to eight months of one year. You know what I'm saying? That's highly unacceptable. Both of them need to be suspended indefinitely. Um, <clears throat> now, I grew a bow, 250K and shit, you know what I'm saying? But they did suspend them indefinitely. And I agree with Stat on the point that they are afraid of the Russian money. I mean, hey, you got Andre Ryabinski. He's one of the most successful businessmen in the world, backing Alexander Povetkin. He made it to where they did a fucking polygraph test <laughs> in Russia in the comfort of Povetkin's home country with his people around him administering the fucking test. And they were able to get away with that. So the stranglehold that Andre Rybinski actually has in, in a certain aspect of the business side of the boxing game the WBC is not trying to contend with that. I'm pretty sure they sat down and talked and was like, hey, what can we do? But we got to make – we have to make a decision here. You know what I'm saying? He did get caught twice. And I'm pretty sure that Andre Rybinski and all of Pavekin's team was involved in whatever decision was being made. Um, that being said, don't be surprised if Pavekin is in the ring again soon because of Andre Ryabinski and his ties on the business side of the fucking sport. Mind you, all of these organizations, they're non-profit organizations, but at the same time, they do make money under the table. It's obvious, right? Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. So with that said, don't be pissed when you see Alexander Povetkin possibly stepping in a ring by the end of this year. I'm telling you motherfuckers now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it's all about who you know and who you have supporting you. And Povetkin has a fucking multi-billion dollar powerhouse supporting him, along with an entire country. So don't be surprised, man. But I will give them, the, the WBC, their credit. They actually did what they were supposed to do and, and saying they're going to suspend him indefinitely. Now, whether or not they go through with that, we're just going to have to wait and see. Yeah. All right. Um, and I definitely agree with uh, some of the points made. Uh, the other sanctioning bodies definitely need to follow suit with uh, getting their drug testing uh, programs mandated. Um, I know the WBA uh, was conversing with the WBC about, um, you know, actually, you know, taking from their program, which is something we've uh, talked about on one of our previous shows uh uh, point that Bernard had actually mentioned. Um, I'll definitely bring you back on later in the show, those stats. So thanks uh, for chiming in with those uh, facts about it. Thank you, man. All right. Um, and let's go into our next topic, man. Uh, 
It was announced last night during the Porter and Garcia broadcast, but we've actually uh, known that it was in talks, uh, you know, for the last few months, last month or so. Uh, But it's actually official now, April 22nd, WBC title eliminator, uh, Andre Berto versus Sean Porter, man, April 22nd on Showtime. Um, Let me get you guys' thoughts on this. Uh, Let me start off with Big Cool, because I hear his big-ass yawning over there, so we need to wake him up. <laughs> he just finished eating. That's why he yawning. Fuck y'all, nigga. I think he got the itis. <laughs> that nigga did two push-ups. That nigga did two push-ups, and he needs to eat. I'll shut the ball in the ass up, bro. Oh, this man. ain't no walking dead. He wants to watch the walking dead, bro. <laughs> no, what we talking about? Oh, talking about Porter and Berto? Yeah, uh, Porter versus uh, Berto being announced for April 22nd. Uh, WBC welterweight title eliminator. First of all, Andre Berto, funny as fuck for what he said on the uh, on the telecast, thinking that his fight with Porter is some must-see TV fight. You know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure it'll be a good fight, but you know he's getting that ass whooped come April 22nd. <laughs> uh, it's just a, it's just a matter of how Porter want to do it. You know what I'm saying? I see it kind of similar, even though you know Berto a little bit falling about lunch. I can see him getting him out there like that, brutal fashion. Um, like I said, it's a good fight. I'm not gonna be critical of the fight because Porter has fought some dogs at 147, just coming off a fight with this past June against Thurman. He fought Brooke. You know, he fought Alexander when Alexander was, you know, still relevant. Fought Pauly. You know, so. I think it's a good fight. I expect Porter to do what Porter's going to do. He's going to apply the pressure, going to work the body, herky-jerky. I think he's going to stop Berto in round seven, eight. You know, you can't never count out Berto because he can't punch, has fast hands, and he does have a tremendous heart and will to, you know, to compete. But he's seen better days, and he's going to wish he didn't sign that contract come um, April 22nd, man. So, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, I expect Porter to be dominant. And potentially set itself up for a rematch with uh, Thurman because I don't think Thurman's going to fight nobody major um, until 2018. So we'll see. I mean, I, I'm actually excited uh, for this fight because this is a battle of the, uh, the midget welterweights. You know, they're both small, short, stocky, whatever you want to call them. So, pretty interesting fight because they're both midgets. Um, really? Let me go ahead and pass it on. Pass it on to Bernard on this one, man. Uh, what's your thoughts on this fight being announced? Uh, you know, it's taking some time to come to fruition. Um, the Porter team was actually antagonizing Berto a little bit about his uh, reluctance to take the fight. Um, so let me get your thoughts on it, man. It's finally uh, going down. You said it was a WBC title on the mayor? Yeah, yep. Already. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I an opponent up there. Um, We're about to see a rematch. <clears throat> possibly, possibly. But then I would, you can't forget that Lamar Peterson is holding that uh, yeah, record. King Pete, King Pete. You know what I'm saying? Well, here's my thing. I can see it being a, a, a fight that the casuals would like to would like. I can see it being a slugfest. 
all our bra. I, I don't think it's going to go to full 12. If it does, I'll be surprised, and I'll have it quarter, but I don't think it's going to go to full 12. And I'm going to say this. Berto still has a puncher's chance. And I say that because <clears throat> I, 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 Mayweather, I'm not going to count that fight. The fight before Mayweather and then Ortiz, and see, for some reason, he's running on a lucky street of just catching cats. I don't know if it, Porter's going to end it, but I could see it possibly. He got the Porter's chance, and I was going to go say it's a 50-50 fight. Yeah, I'm going to rebuttal. Hello? Yeah. You said it's going to be a 50-50 fight. I think it's a 50-50 fight. I'm not counting. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. Shit. Nope. 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 He's running on it's still kind of luck. You know what I'm saying? That he'll be losing the fight, and boom, uh, he gets the right, he lands the right punch. I'm telling you, that man, was a damn stick to Ortiz. I don't know. I'm supposed to be the Lopez. I'm supposed to be the Lopez. He's blown that 140 pounds. Lopez is trash, fam. Okay. All right, look, look here, man. Let, let, let me. Let me, let me. <laughs> hey, no, save, save the casualties. Save the casualties yeah. from himself. Save the casualties from himself. We got a silence. We got a silence for casual. That that was that was. Bernard, I, I, you know, I, 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 I helped you build. I helped you build the casual image, but that was complete and utter fuckery, nigga. Look here. I am the fuckery though. Look, yeah, you're right. You're right, but damn, nigga, you ain't got to live all the way up to that shit, nigga. Let me just say this. Andre Bur- I'm going to piggyback off of what Big Cool said about Andre Berto is fucking comment about how this nigga talking about this is must-see TV. Andre Berto kills me about how he somehow seems to think in his head that he is still an elite-level fighter. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's almost, it's not as bad as Victor Ortiz. Do y'all fellas remember an interview that Victor Ortiz had with a Spanish lady? She was fine, too. But she was interviewing him. <laughs> and she asked him, a question. <laughs> she asked him a question. She was like, you know, how do you, what do you see yourself and, you know, where do you rank yourself in boxing right now? This nigga said he is top five pound for pound. He told her that. that. And then, you remember that shit? And the look she gave him was like, nigga, are you smoking crack, motherfucker? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's not as bad, it's not as, bad as Victor. But it's getting to that point, dog. Andre Berto has been done, in my eyes, since 2009 when he really lost to Louis Colazzo in January well, 2009. You know what I'm saying? When I, saw, yeah. when I saw that fight, I was like, this nigga will be taking a majority of L's the rest of his career. And that's exactly what's been happening since that fight. Go look at fucking BoxRec. He has lost the majority of his fights, or meaningful fights anyway, since that fucking fight. Okay, so him thinking that he's still an elite level fighter at this point in his career is fucking asinine. Now to get to the actual, to get to get the go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm gonna say this: you're you're a boxer, and everybody knows when you're a fighter, you're supposed to have that type of confidence. And I, I agree, I agree, but you don't you don't get ridiculous with it, bro. Because you yeah, say you don't win, don't say you must be TV. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you be, exactly. But you on. become a exactly. You become a fight. You become a fight. I'm not playing devil's advocate, but no. 
That's not promoting the fight, Bernard. Niggas are laughing at him right now by him trying to say that it's must-see TV. The only, motherfuckers already know he's going to get knocked out. That is not going to make people watch the fight by him saying that. You know what I'm saying? That's not, they probably chuckling at this shit. Exactly. They know where Berto stands. Any type of motherfucker with a minimal knowledge of boxing, they know where Berto stands right now. You know what I'm saying? So that's not going to make niggas buy the fight. But um, the point I was trying to make earlier, for the fight itself, I don't mind it because it's a nice tune-up for Sean Porter. That's what this is. This is, this is, this is basically getting a nice, fresh-cut piece of steak out the package and giving it to a rabbit-ass dog. That's what this is. And he's going to eat. Easy work, fam. Nice little tune-up. You know what I'm saying? Put him back into contention. You know what I'm saying? I hate it when they tried to push Andre Berto as Danny Garcia's next fucking opponent to fucking uh, defend the WBC title. That's what I fucking hated because Danny Garcia was an undefeated fighter and he ain't fought no fucking body since Lamont Peterson, okay? So I was like, oh, he got the WBC title on ridiculous, you know, uh, standards in the first place, probably Malignaggi and fucking Robert Guerrero. So I'm not going to accept Berto. Fuck that. But for Sean Porter coming off a loss and uh, uh, a, a, a fight that he could have won, you know, by Big Cool and Twan Sanders and others, it's an excellent fight for him to get back in contention. So I'm all for it. But as for Berto saying that this is must-see TV, get your little ass the fuck out of here, nigga. I he going to look like we're out of the He's going to look worse than he did against Robert Guerrero, nigga. I'm going to be permanently yeah. checked. He getting knocked out in five, dog. Like, he, he, he's fighting Ray Lewis's cousin, nigga. He about to get knocked out in five. Real talk. Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis, taught, <laughs> Ray Lewis taught Sean Porter everything he know. Not his dad, is Ray Lewis. <laughs> he gonna knock Andre Berto the fuck out, nigga. <laughs> he gonna tackle this nigga. You know what I'm saying? And he gonna knock him the fuck out. This is gonna happen. Easy work. Easy work. Man, uh, let me see if I can get Bo to chime in on this one. If he's still with his bug, he's still around. Yeah, man, I'm still here, man. <laughs> All right, man. Now let me get your thoughts on this fight finally getting. Finally come to fruition. Uh, like I said, it seemed like Berto was kind of reluctant to take the fight from what we've been hearing in the media. Uh, so let me get your It wasn't that he was reluctant. Him. It wasn't that he was reluctant. Berto was acting like a diva because he felt being in the ring with Floyd Mayweather earned him some 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 kind of cash pay. And yeah. you need to tell him that, that, that only happens when you win <clears throat> the fight, motherfucker. You don't get no cash <laughs> when you lose the fight. Oh. You get cash for victory. You don't get cash for L just because you was in there with the best in the world. That's not how that works. And then after that, he Victor Ortiz in a revenge fight. So he thinks that's giving some cash shape. Victor Ortiz had been removed from the ring. How long? And you think you get some cash for beating this motherfucker? So that was about Berto acting like a diva. That ain't had nothing to do with him being reluctant. Berto felt, Berto felt and still feels that he was the A side compared to Sean Porter. Oh, he's gonna get the A side of that one. Yeah, and that's what I mean. <laughs> like, as far as I'm concerned, somebody, somebody should know him when you have a neck egg in your neck. Now, sit your ass down and get and, and be realistic. But as far as the fight happening, look, uh, <laughs> let me say this: my, I, I, I believe my partner was riding the way he was riding because Bird was also with his favorite trainer, Virgil Hunter. <laughs> so, 
I'm going to play devil's advocate for the devil advocate. And I'm going to say my partner was doing that because of Virgil Honda, who's, who happens to be Andre Virgil's trainer, and he has a, you know what I'm saying, he has a soft spot for, for, uh, for old man Virgil. But um, it's, it, it's, a, it's a fight that we expected to happen because Al Heyman made it perfect to everybody. I think uh, I think Berto was trying to pull a Burbank Stavern. He was trying to get that title shot without going to a damn eliminator. That's what he was trying to do. That that's what I think. Yeah, and, and he probably you know, uh, I think he lose. Time was, I think he lose. Uh, he lose we ain't got to worry about that motherfucker no more. Well, he probably was, but you know what? Though this is this fight being made goes back to something we talked about about Al Heyman telling everybody, "Y'all got to fight for your food now." Okay, he tell oh, yeah, y'all got to fight for your food. Because <laughs> Porter been fighting for his shit for the longest. <laughs> so it's a good fight. You know what I'm saying? It's a good. It, it is. It's a good fight. Uh, I can't sit here and say it's a 50 50 fight. I think it's more 60 40. Even, I even go as far as 70 30 uh, favorite Sean Porter. All uh, right. Uh, so we're going to move on to our next belt. Uh, we did mention Lucas Matisse was returning to the ring, but they finally the quitter. Or announced his uh, opponent uh, for May 6th. He'll be fighting uh, Manuel Taylor. Uh, we know him <clears throat> really for his fight with uh, Adrian Broner a couple years back. Um, they'll be fighting at the in uh, the 147-pound uh, division. Uh, let me get your thoughts on this fight, TK, starting with you, um, as far as his opponent, Emmanuel Taylor. Um, fairly, how do you see this fight playing out, this early take? Um, <laughs> kind of like how I saw, it, it really depends, man. It, it, it depends on how much Victor Postal took out of Lucas Matisse. I don't know which one of them. Rowdy ass niggas it was that yo quarter while you was talking, but I agree with that nigga. Um, I mean he, it, it, I mean it, it, it. There's really nothing else to say than that, dog. If if he comes in there, the same, you know, with a fucked up mindset, you know, trying to fight Emmanuel Taylor at a higher weight class, then he's gonna have problems. Even though Emmanuel Taylor is really only a C plus level fighter, might even I actually should be saying C level. Um. But if he is the same old Lucas Matisse, you know what I'm saying, um, the one that fought <laughs> Lamont Peterson, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, if he's that Lucas Matisse, um, I feel that he knocked Emmanuel Taylor out with an arm punch just like he did Lamont Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. You know what? You know what? This moment in time. I'm gonna say this. They found Lucas Matisse. Apparently, they didn't eat his ass. So I'm going to say this. He must. He, yeah, he's training. But you know what? I, I got transformed to win, man. Just for that bullshit he was just saying. I'm back in transformed. And man, Taylor's going to uh, beat uh, Lucas Matisse. By decision. Hell, maybe late round stop hey. in the 11th or 12th. Fuck that. <laughs> hey, fam. Hey, fam. All I, this, this is all I'm saying, dog. Before that fight, Lamont Peterson, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Lamont Peterson was undefeated when he fought 
Lucas Matisse had. I don't remember anybody. Wow, he, he had lost to uh, Tim Bradley uh, before. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. No doubt. He lost to Tim Bradley. Good save. Tim Bradley didn't knock him out, right? Yeah. No, he hard. dropped him. He dropped him, I think. He dropped him, but he didn't knock him out. He beat so, him ass. Peterson, yeah, he whooped his ass. I remember that fight. Lamont Peterson had never been knocked out, and he's a much better fighter than Emmanuel Taylor. Same thing here. Emmanuel Taylor only has four losses. He's never been knocked out. Even when he fought Adrian Broner, he was dropped, but he didn't get knocked out. It's almost the same scenario, only di- and they kind of have similar styles as well. Only difference is Emmanuel Taylor is like a level and a half below Lamont Peterson. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Lucas Matisse, his head is not fucked up from the fixer postal fight, and he goes in there you know, with the same mentality, the same style. He has the same firepower. Absolutely. He'll punch him like in the elbow or something, and the fight will be called. It's all day. That's easy work. All right, big cool. Uh, your thoughts on this fight, Matisse, uh, against Emmanuel uh, Taylor for his uh, intro about the 147? I think Matisse is pretty much done as a top fighter, but if he has anything left, he should stop. Taylor, but I said the same thing about Molina. Even though he stopped him later on in the fight, he went life or death with him. I mean, shit, he quit last fight against Poston because of the eye or whatever it was. So I'm saying he might quit again. It depends on which Taylor yep. shows up. I mean, like I said, I, I was never really high on Matisse other than his power. Um, like I said, I don't. I think he he's done as a top fighter. He know he's not gonna possess no pose any challenge for anybody at 147 other than Emmanuel Taylor. Or guys on his level, but I mean it's a good fight. I mean it doesn't make me want to buy the fight any more than you know the main event. But I mean it's good to see him back because he's a good puncher and he's an exciting fighter. So I mean if he has anything left, he should stop Emmanuel Taylor and then no more than six or seven rounds. Yeah, I definitely think it's a good gauge to see where he's at mentally um, in boxing. Period. You know, just to see where his head is and. I don't see him playing being much of a factor at 147 anyway. But, um, yeah, definitely a good gauge just to see where he's at um, and to see if he can even crack top 10, you know, possibly and give us some, some possible exciting matchups, you know, against the lower tier guys at 147. Uh, I guess I'll pass it to Bo. You got any, extra, any thoughts you want to add on to this one before we go to the next topic? Yeah, uh, let me, you know, what? Uh, found out that Danny Garcia Cameron fight is 2.3 million views. So it was it was the highest rated show on primetime on a Saturday. Okay, what, what, did, what, 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 what views are you talking about? The, for the Danny Garcia and Keith Thurman fight. And what, what was the viewership of it? Like 2.4, something like that. 2.4 million. Okay. All right. Uh, highest. It was highest on prime time. And if that's it, they can come out too. All right. Uh, so I guess we'll go on to our, our next topic, man. Actually, this is a fight I've been looking forward to because it's one of my favorite <laughs> fighters. Uh, Gary Russell Jr. once again has a belt postponed, but this time it wasn't due to his injury. It was uh, his opponent, um, Oscar Eskendon, um, had a back injury. So um, the March 11th fight, which would have been this upcoming week, 
um, with the Charlo Hatley card, uh, Charlo versus Hatley fight as well on it, is not taking place. So pretty bummed out about that one. Um, I'm not sure to go to on this one. I guess I'll start with Bernard because he usually has some interesting perspectives. Um, I don't know, man. Does Gary Russell seem to just be having bad luck? I mean, I don't know. Because this bout was supposed to, this has been his mandatory for quite some time now, and they just can't seem to get it, get it going for you know one for one reason or another. Uh, let me get your thoughts on our the latest mm-hmm. setback in uh, Gary Russell's career. Oh well, it's not just setback on Gary Russell Gary Russell's career because okay, we understand the first time it was his injury. It's more on his uh, his opponent. But let's say this, they, he's hitting the back injury, right? Yeah. We, if the fight is on March 11th? Yeah, it was supposed to be on March 11th. What was, do we, do anybody uh, know what his weight was? His they opponent. were fighting at a featherweight. No, 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 no. <laughs> what was his weight before, like, his, his weigh-in? Like, you know how they do the 30-day, uh, 60-day weigh-in? Oh, 30-day I don't weigh-in? know. Nah, I don't, I don't know. So, because we don't know the details, could it be a weight issue? Then, hey, you could have made weight, so, hey, let me go and just uh, take this injury real quick, and then, you know, I'll, I'll recoup, and then we'll retrain for the fight again at a later date. Or it could be a legit injury, you know what I'm saying? So that's my perspective on it. I mean, I don't know what's going on. There's not that many details other than he just has a back injury. And I think it's kind of weird that it's coming with uh, – it came in – Pretty much, almost a week before the fight uh, was supposed yeah. to go around. So yeah, that's my biggest thing. Like it came like a little bit with the less than a week before the fight to go, you know, uh, to take place. And when I say a setback for Gary Russell, it's because he's high. He's, you know, he hasn't been the most active fighter. Okay. So, I mean, okay. Uh, let me get uh, somebody else to take on this one. Um, I'll go ahead and go to Big Cool. <laughs> What's your thoughts on this uh this postponed fight and what it's gonna mean uh, possibly the the Gary Russell right now with uh that inactivity? Killing him, man. He already be talking about he don't want to fight that much longer anyway. I mean, the way the way he's fighting, I mean, he might as well just retire because he don't fight that often. I mean, he still got to you know oblige the mandatory. I mean, it sucks for him and it sucks for fans of Gary Russell. But I mean, I guess they'll reschedule it for later in the in the spring, and hopefully both guys could make it through a full training camp. Even though this is not on his not on him this time, but hopefully his opponent can make it through a full training camp, and we can finally see this fight, and he can move on to bigger and better things. But it, it's definitely not good for him for him, you know, going going on with his future, especially if he wanting to fight these top guys who who's fighting, you know, on a regular basis, and who you know. <clears throat> Higher caliber fighters, so I mean, hopefully he can get you know get over this hurdle and move on. But you know, everybody gonna clown Gary Russell, man, because he just don't fight enough. And when he do fight, some of the guys he fight shouldn't be in the ring with him. So he got to get out yeah. of his own way eventually. If not, then he's gonna be Gary who instead of Gary Russell Jr. So yeah, and it's obvious the the other guys at 126 outside of Oscar Valdez don't want to really fight him. So I mean Gary Russell's really in the hard place right now. Um, 
You know, he doesn't seem like he really wants to box much longer. I think he uh, he actually gets a bigger kick out of training his younger brothers than he does boxing these days. That's just my take from being the fan of his. But uh, we'll definitely it's crazy though. Uh, yeah, you know. Hey, um, he, I got I got a I got a question I can ask. Can't they um can't you find an opponent like a re- just opponent that might possibly ready for a Gary Russell just to get to get a fight in? I don't know, I think that was something they looked at, but they decided that they're going to try and keep the card at the venue and just go for a different date. Um, it sucks because, you know, like I said, Charlo Hatley was supposed to be on this card too. So, you know, like they postponed this date a couple times. Um, initially it was supposed to be on Adrian Broner card um, in Cincinnati, and, you know, then they gave it its own date, you know, um, in D.C., and now, you know, they're trying to, to salvage it for another date. So I don't know what this does for the, uh, you know, both of these guys are going on long periods of inactivity now, come to think of it, with uh, Russell and uh, Charlo. That's the only thing I'm not about the PBC. If they don't fight as often as they, as they should. And R-I-G-O. That's all I'm saying. I think that's bullshit on the PBC. You fuck that that one matchup. Fuck it. You got other matches you could you could have kept that Hatley made that the main event and let them go. You know what I'm saying? But Gary Russell was a draw though. He's from that area. So yeah, yeah. He was the main event sense. being from the DC area. Again, yeah, but yeah I, I understand that. But then you you you're saying okay, yeah. But then I'm I'm putting on PBC though. You're wasting time when you can have that matchup set up already. It's already set up. These guys already gone through it. Then you post something like, okay, now I, just, I pretty much went almost two months of training camp for this fight. Now it's pretty much there's no fight, so I got to wait again. Wait for this guy and do it all over again. I think it's a waste of time. Just go ahead and keep the keep the event going. And that's why I said if you could, that's why I asked earlier, could they have got an opponent? It's not. Fuck it. Keep the rest of the car, let it go. Even if it doesn't, it's not a success. You can always throw, have um, Gary Russell's uh, on another car out there again. You know what I'm saying? Just with a yeah, different under, yeah. uh, different undercard. So there's no excuse. You could have made yeah, it happen. Yeah, PBC got to get their fighters to fight more regularly. That's the only downside I see. I mean, because Lamont came back, what, he was 16 months off? I mean, that's ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah, yeah. Definitely has been one of the complaints about uh, – some of the the PBC, uh, you know, fighters not getting fighting as often as as, uh, we'd like them to, you know, uh, once and, you know, sometimes under two times a year, you know, like Porter, he was going on a period of inactivity even now heading into this Berto fight that was just announced. So definitely something they need to work out still, but we're getting bigger fights, so we can't really complain either. Um, We got another fight that was announced. not Martin Murray did announce he is moving back down to 160. Um, he's fighting against uh, veteran Gabe Rosado. Uh, pretty, interesting fight, man. Uh, pretty interesting uh, belt. Um, I guess I'll go ahead and start with TK's uh, thoughts on this one. What are your thoughts on this fight between uh, Gabe Rosado and Martin Murray? Both two battle-tested guys at 160. Um, fought everybody, you know. You can think of. <laughs> well, you're nicer than me. 
Um, I mean, I'm not going to shit on the fight, but at the same time, I, I'm not going to say it's interesting. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, basically, the reason why these two are fighting each other is because they can't beat any top-level fighters. They came well, up Gabe, Gabe. every single <laughs> No, neither can Mar Murray. Motherfucker lost all his top-level fights. I mean, he beat be, be Sergio. No, no, he lost officially. I, I agree, but he lost. So he's where he is today. So the problem is none of these guys can beat top-level fighters officially. That's why they're fighting each other. You know what I'm saying? Martin Murray has gotten like six fucking tries to beat top-level fighters in his career. You know what I'm saying? He's probably only done it once. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we're unofficially. You know, so it's, I mean, it's a situation where they don't have a choice but to fight each other. And Gabe Rosado, in my opinion, he's been done. He should have beat he Willie McGregor. Yeah, so exactly. I agree with you on that. If he can't beat Willie Monroe, then, I mean, at this point, dog, you're really just uh, almost a fucking gatekeeper. And I, I rate him lower than I rate Martin Murray. I wouldn't say Martin Murray is a gatekeeper per se. I still think Martin Murray is a contender, but he's one fight away from being a journeyman. So basically, yeah. if he... Pretty much this fight basically says, for Gabe, if you lose this fight, you probably need to go. You probably need to go renew that employment at Home Depot. You know <laughs> if, if, if Martin Murray loses this fight, that nigga needs he needs to reevaluate whether or not he wants to be a gatekeeper for the rest of his career, or you know what he wants to just retire and be with his family, dog. So that. <laughs> That's what this fight is. It's a measuring stick to see who's going to retire first, basically. Gabe can always ask for a revival of bare knuckle boxing, too. A, a raging babe, but whatever. He can, you know, he can be the uh, spokesperson or some shit. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, let me go ahead and pass it on to Bo on this one. What are your thoughts about this fight uh, between Martin Murray and Gabe Rosado? It's interesting, like I said, just because they're both veterans and uh, faced everybody. So, you know, just to see that more than anything. It's not that actually a barn burner or anything that's going to set the middleweight division on fire, though. Um, so let me get your thoughts yeah. on the both. Uh, it's the best of the C-level fighters fighting each other. It's uh, it's a cross-world fight. And uh, regardless of what, regardless of who the winner is, he is. But regardless of who the winner is, I don't see either one of these dudes making any moves in the middleweight division, to be honest with you. Regardless, I'm, I'm, being, I'm just being honest, regardless of who wins. Like, nobody wants to see, like, Gabe Rosario versus who? Mike nope, Murray nobody. versus who? You know what I'm saying? You know what? No, I mean, so. Hold on, Bo. I do want to see Gabe Rosado versus Billy Hope. I do want to see that. I do want to see that. <laughs> Hell no. I'm not yeah, even going to lie about that. After Billy Hope, he's going to lose the title. Mm-hmm. But that's what I'm saying. I think fucking Gabe Rosado fuck around and be a champion fighting Billy Hope. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't know. I disagree right. with that. I disagree. I think he'll. Yeah, I don't uh, think so. I don't think so. I think he'll pull the shit that he did against Willie Monroe, man, on that one. I, I don't know because, man, I, I don't yep. know Bernard. I, I, Billy Ho is not 
that dude is literally on the same level. He's just he's a he's a champion that's on the same level as Billy Monroe and the rest of the guys. Real talk. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I thought Gabe was going to show up and he didn't. So and that was Gabe that was that's the contender to get this Billy Monroe. <laughs> I think, but I think Willie Monroe is a and real talk. I think Willie Monroe is a better fighter than Billy Ho. I think Willie Monroe okay, can beat Ho Sanders if they fought. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's, why that's, more, that's why that's more of an intriguing matchup for Gabe if they fought. He really has an opportunity to be champion. <laughs> My bad, but I didn't mean to take that from Go ahead, man. Oh, no, you good, because I was actually going to say that. I was going to say maybe Billy Joe Saunders. I was actually going to say that. But outside of that, though, and, and, and you know what's fucked up is, I think we talk more about Billy Joe Saunders than what's being talked about Billy Joe fucking Saunders. Which is oh, you know. <laughs> oh. I mean, Mark Murray, I've always been a big fan of his just because I don't know. It's just something I like about him. Um Me too. I still think he could give a lot of the guys that want sixty good work. Um disagree. But like <laughs> Way too fucking long. 
The only yeah. time in any of those fights, those high-level fights, where he actually threw punches back was against Arthur Abraham. And the only reason why that was because Arthur Abraham's the same type of motherfucker. And behind a high guard. Wait, you got two high guards standing behind motherfuckers in the same ring. Somebody got to throw a punch. So that's why that fight happened the way it happened. Um, but, you know, Sergio, let's just be real, Sergio came into the ring the same way he came into the ring with Cotto. The nigga had three knee braces and a motherfucking wheelchair to wheel itself into the ring. So that's why he lost to Martin Murray. Real talk. So, but that is the, that is the truth about Martin, dog. He doesn't have a sustainable offensive attack, and that's always been his problem. And no matter who he fights, that's why I say he's just going to lose because he doesn't have enough offense, man. Good point. Good point. I think he'll be Gabe, though, if that means anything. Of course. Yeah, Gabe, Gabe is definitely, uh, I don't know, the, the, the fight against Mamura, I was like, yeah, you really need to let it go now, man. This um, nigga's going to be stuttering and talking like fucking yeah. Magic Taylor or somebody. Keep that shit up. I mean, yep. you, you got you. You got your idea for her to fall back on. Get to get them a uh, screen after guild. That screen after guild money, man. The crazy thing about it, bro, he wasn't even that good in Creed. I mean, he's about the same level fighter as Creed, <laughs> and, uh, and he is in real life. And shit, I'm like, that's fucked up. Even I, even I, even I was. We have made too many damn references to that movie in this show. I'm just saying that. Yeah, uh, we got too many below uh, average fighters that was in it. <laughs> <laughs> in, the one, in, the, in, the, in the one that was in it, the, the Hall of Fame that was in it got hurt off a fucking head, bro. What the fuck kind of shit is that? Hey, but that was accurate, though, fam. That was an accurate depiction of Andre Ward at that time, nigga. The nigga did stay injured at that time, so that's why I wasn't mad, bro. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying, well, look. Oh, man. 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 Gabe and uh, Bellu, but it is what it is, man. Shit. Yeah. All right, man. So we going to get into one of the cats that was just talked about being one of the top 160 fighters, uh, Atando Kansitsi, uh, who just was noted to take some step aside for Billy Ho. Um, he'll be fighting Tommy Langford for the interim WBO title in front of uh, fighting Billy Ho, who's uh, trying to get a bigger name opponent, I guess. Supposedly. Supposedly. Triple G. Yeah, they always talking that shit with Billy Ho. Um, yeah. what do y'all think of this fight for uh, Curtisi in place of uh, fighting Billy Odo? Um, I'll go ahead and start off with uh, Bo on this one. Uh, Curtisi versus Langford. Yeah, for interim title. You know what? I, I remember reading something with somebody on there. Oh, so Langford wants to commit suicide by fighting Curtisi. Um. I actually, you know what? I'm gonna be honest with you. I actually like this fight. Now, I don't, I don't like the fact that Kasey had to take step aside money. I wish he wouldn't have did that. He didn't have to. Remember, he didn't have to. Well, yeah, no, no he, he didn't, didn't have to. No, right, he didn't have to. But I'm, I'm, I'm not mad at. It. I'm, I'm looking at it like it's a stay busy fight. It's for an interim <laughs> championship, which if you get to that, according to the WBA rules, shouldn't according to. The WBA rules, which I put as much faith in that as I fucking do as a fucking WO. fucking yeah as the as, as I put as much faith 
into the WBA as I do to Bernard keeping his mouth closed when you piss him off. But I will at least say that if he wins this belt, that makes him like, you know, supposedly he he can challenge for the regular, you know, big title. So uh, I like it in that aspect. If that's what he's trying to do to position himself to make sure that he gets the title shot is, is going for this WBA uh, interim champ title. So I like it from that aspect. But uh, I, basically to me, as far as I'm concerned, it's a stay busy fight. I, I never, I was never really sold on Tommy Langford. I'll I, I be honest with you. I probably would seen maybe one fight of his and that was highlight. And he was getting his ass whooped in that. So it is what it is. All right, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and pass it on to be cool on this one, man. Uh, your thoughts on this uh, fight for Curtis Easy, um, as opposed to him just making the Billy Hull mandatory fight go down now? Um, let me get your thoughts on that. I'm not too familiar with this guy, but I feel that he shouldn't have took no step aside money. Um, you know, and let me ask y'all, why, why does a fighter do that? I mean, maybe it sounds ignorant action, but I never understood that unless they feel they're not ready. But y'all, I'm from being on the show, y'all talk this guy up like you know, like he's maybe mean, the next coming. So I, I guess it's free, free money at the end of the day. I mean, exactly. You know, well, would he make would he make more if he fought Billy Ho? He probably would. You know, for a guy like Chris Easy, he probably would have made more money fighting. You know, like you know, um, <clears throat> Triple G was able to take step aside money for the Canelo. Uh, <laughs> Cutoff fight, you know, but you know that's yeah. a lot more money for him. Yeah, so you know, yeah. I guess if you're a name like that, yeah. But I don't know about Curtisie, what kind of stuff aside money he's demanding. You know, big cool. Think think about yeah. it like this, man. Twan is absolutely right. Think about it like this, bro. You gotta understand, and you know, you've heard me bitch about it on my show. You've heard me bitch about it on here. You've heard others on this panel bitch about it. Boxing has become a business. These fighters have become accountants. You know, they only care about money now. That's the majority of of their reasoning for fighting now. It's not like it was back in the old days when niggas actually cared about legacy. So if you tell a fighter who has a mindset of, man, I'm just trying to get this paper over trying to fulfill a legacy, you tell him, hey, we'll give you X amount of dollars and you ain't even got to fight, he's going to take that. You're right. He, he probably will make more on the back end beating garbage-ass Billy Ho and taking his WBO title, but he has the work to do that. He don't have to work to get this money, so he went with that. That's exactly what happens but, when these dumb-ass niggas take see, step aside, though. But see, this is why I don't understand why motherfuckers hate on Earl Spence. Earl Spence is not like that. He'll fight anybody, exactly. anywhere, anytime. Hell, he fucking, he fucking told Kel Brooks, you ain't got to go to purse, but I'll take the 25. You know what yep. I'm saying? They yep. let that shit. Yep. He's like, it ain't got to go to person, bitch, motherfucker. I'll take that 25. He's willing to yep. take that 25. Hell, he let Chris Algini get more money than him just to get a fight. Yeah. That's why I don't understand why motherfuckers hate on Earl Spence. Yep. Absolutely. 100%. Well, let me get you, uh, <laughs> get you uh, further elaboration on this, TK, because you did just uh, recently um, interview Kurt Cheesy's uh, trainer. Um, what is it, Andre Rozier? Yeah. Um, I know he was a little bit livid about how things had happened with the WBO and what they did with Canelo. Um, mm-hmm. Now, he's kind of leaving that situation a chance again, even though I doubt it will happen again, you know, considering mm-hmm. the, what Canelo is doing, you know, his uh, mm-hmm. fight 
that he's taking. But why don't you mm-hmm. think they they took advantage of this opportunity now, you know, considering this there and what happened with Canelo, you know, originally? Well, you got to understand, I interviewed Andre Rozier. I didn't interview Abdentel, whatever his fucking name is. I didn't interview him. You know what I'm saying? Andre Rozier, the trainer, was livid about the uh, discrepancy that the WBO had in, in ranking his fighter in the proper place. But Kurzyski may not have been. You see what I'm saying? Those yeah. are two different people that care about Kurzyski's career. Uh, Kurzyski's actions tell me that his um, opinion on the matter differs from his trainer. Andre wants Kurzyski to work. Zisky don't want to work. You see what I'm saying? So, with that said, him taking step aside money, it, it tells me that he doesn't share the same sentiment as Andre Rozier. Basically, Rozier was bitching and supporting. Um, he was bitching for and supporting Kazersky when Kazersky really didn't care for it. In my yeah. opinion, yeah. <laughs> and it Terrible, seems huh? like you, uh, he's kind of been trying to zero in on a fight against Triple G and doing anything to get to it other than this. I mean, the, getting a WBL fight or actually winning a title, I think would have been the perfect way to set up a Triple G fight if that's what he really wanted, as much as uh, him and huh. Luda Bella have been saying. Um, yeah. You know, that's the one belt that seems to be eluding Triple G. And, yep. you know, he wants to pick up all belts. So I, I think if Curtis Easy really wanted to fight, he would have took the Billy Hill fight now, man, instead of doing this in the yeah. room shit. Um, I, really I agree. To me. I agree. And, you know, and you made a great point. If he really wanted to fight Triple G, he would have beat Billy Ho. Um, But this is the funny part, though, Twan. This might bite him in the ass because while Tommy Langford is an undefeated fighter, right, he's not – He's not a walkover. He, he's an undefeated, unknown fighter. He's not a walkover opponent. Yeah. he has been outboxed by probably one of the guys at 160 that has the weakest chin in the division, and that's Njamin Jickham. You know what I'm saying? He outboxed Kurzitsky before to a UD decision. So Kurzitsky can be outboxed. Also, Langford is six foot tall. He has a major, he has a, a, a major height yeah. advantage, and he has a reach advantage. Krasinski's only five foot four, so he he can only fight Langford one way. Also, Langford is a boxer; he fights from the outside. So Krasinski can only fight one way, dog, and that's to try to get inside. So we could damn for sure see a fucking upset in this fight because he has been outboxed by an average level fighter before. So we just see an upset, man. It could bite him in the ass. Definitely keep a. Uh... We'll pay attention to that one. Um, I'm not quite familiar with Langford myself, so I definitely will be paying attention to this fight um, just to see if that scenario does play itself out. Um, you know, Kurt Seasy, he's pretty much known for beating a uh, prospect, Antoine Douglas, right now. Um, mm-hmm. And he'll be looking to replicate that, that scenario, I guess, against Langford, the, uh, the one in the interim WBO belt. Uh, yeah, so I guess we'll move on to our next topic from there, man. Uh, we'll go ahead and start with our previews for uh, this weekend's uh, fights. Uh, we got Clarissa Shields, man, uh, making history on Showtime. First head, woman's headliner. 
uh, on one of their Showbox cards. Uh, she'll be facing uh, Sylvia Sabados. Uh, mm-hmm. And I believe it's for what the NABF uh, middleweight title. Um, yes, sir. Six rounds. I'm not sure if I'm not mistaken. Um, there's already talks of her going uh, fighting somebody else after. So they're they're already trying to put her <laughs> on the fast track. So they're not playing with Clarissa, man. Uh, let me go ahead and start with TK, man. Um, what do you see from Clarissa early in her career? You know, she's only one fight in, but what do you see from her early right now um, that you think, you know, will help her be successful in this fight, you know, on Saturday for the title, for the NABF title? Well, I just want to reiterate one more time before I start that I, I uh, want to show my approval of Showtime. You know, they must, like I said, they must have listened to this podcast. They must have listened to the Colossal Boxing Talk, the Gods of Boxing Talk, Truth of Facts About Boxing. They must have been reading Twan's articles for Hoop Jab because they, we've all expressed how we wanted women's boxing to get more of a spotlight in 2017, and they jumped out early, and they actually answered that request. Now, with that said, um, yeah, Clarissa, Sylvia is kind of like Yasmin Rebus. You know what I'm saying? Yasmin Rivas is a tough fighter. Um, she goes in there to brawl niggas. You know, if you if you get close to Yasmin Rivas, you're going to be in a brawl. Same thing with uh, Clarissa Shields' opponent. Um, but Shields should beat the hell out of her um, because the <laughs> kind of like with Amanda Serrano and Yasmin Rivas, the, the skill level is probably like two to three levels different. <laughs> Even though Clarissa has only been a professional for one fight, her amateur pedigree shows that she's so much uh, better as a fighter than Sylvia is. So she should get her out of there. If she doesn't get her out of there, she'll just beat the hell out of her like she did her ex-amateur um, foe in her first fight. So it'll be a good showcase um, for the casuals. I think that's why they chose this particular opponent as her next opponent um, to headline this card because I know the casuals will like to see this, this war that's getting ready to happen. Um, Clarissa is a technical fighter, but she likes to brawl as well. And I think that she will give us that. So um, it was an excellent uh, uh, opponent choice. It was a smart opponent choice. And the reason why they got her, somebody else on the docket for her, because they know that they're going to have success with this card. So I, I I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to support it. And, um, you know, big ups to Clarissa Shields, and I wish her the best of luck. They're actually looking at uh... – her fighting WBC champion Christina Hammer like early, yeah, uh, sometime later in the year, early next year. So yeah, they're definitely putting her on the fast track, man. They're not playing with Clarissa at all, man. Yeah. Uh, let me get the rest of the panel's take on this fight. Yeah, yeah. so she was making history. Go ahead, Bo. Yeah, cause I, I don't know how much longer I'm gonna be able to be on. These lights are flickering already and shit. Uh, let me say this. Uh, somebody posted something on our page, the movement, about um, Cecilia Brackett's already having another opponent lined up. And I'm going to say the same thing with Clarissa Shields and what I just heard about Brackett's is motherfucking, these motherfucking, these goddamn dudes fighting need to take notice. These women are fighting or having fights lined up immediately. They ain't bullshitting. They ain't fucking around. 
Okay. They ain't having contract issues. They ain't having A-side issues. They ain't having none of that shit. <laughs> they are not fucking around. And these motherfucking men need to take notice of this shit right here because I said it once, I'll say it again. If Cecilia Blackers, Heather the Heat Hardy, Amanda Serrano, and, and Clarissa Shields were fucking men, shit. All of these dudes would be in some motherfucking trouble. Okay? Yep. But I like this. Like you said, with Showtime, Lou DiBella has always been a big advocate about it. All right? So I like this move. And, and, and like 2K said, you know, on My Show Tooth and Facts, me and Bernard is always grabbing female fighters and, and, and interviewing them. You know, we interviewed Melissa St. Ville. I think 2K is, you know, they're going to have her on. We interviewed her, you mm-hmm. know, American Haitian-born fighter, you know, uh, Angela Hetton, uh, you know, Chantel Cameron. I mean, amateur fighters. Because these women, are, when, when you watch them fight, you might not get the oohs and ahs and knockouts unless your name is Ann Wolf. But when you watch them fight, they are fundamentally sound, and they fight. These motherfuckers, regardless of what you say, these motherfuckers fight. So I'm glad this is happening. So I'm glad she's headlining it. Uh, I'm, I, 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 I wish her the best, but I do need Showtime to reach over the pond and grab the most beautiful woman in all of combat sports and have her on their show. <laughs> All right, and yeah, that's something I've pretty much been pushing for uh, in the past week. You know, I was uh, tweeting Steven Espinosa about that as well, bringing Cecilia Brackett and Amanda Serrano on Showtime. Um, 2K, let me get your opinion on uh, them trying to get her set up closer to fight uh, Christina Hammer um, so early in her career. Um, I know, you know, Clarissa has the amateur pedigree two-time Olympic gold medalist, uh, fundamentally, just as fundamentally sound as one of the dudes uh, from Detroit, Michigan, you know, like she came from the school of Kronk or something, you know. Uh, but do you think it's uh, too much too soon for her, even in the pro ranks, or is she, she destined for this? Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I think it's too soon. Christina Hammer has been dominant <laughs> at that division. Um, she's got a, Christina's got a fight coming up in April, um, and this is to defend her. I think she's the WBO and the WBC middleweight champion. So it'll it will this fight will show us whether or not um, if you don't already know whether or not Christina will be too much for Clarissa. Um, on paper, looking at it, I think she is. I like Clarissa. Her amateur pedigree is is um, dearly noted. But, damn, dog, like, let's see her fight some other cats first. Like, literally, let me see her get five or six fights in at least. You know what I'm saying? If you really want to put her on the fast track. I don't think Clarissa Shields is as dominant let me say this. I don't think Clarissa Shields' amateur dominance will carry over to women's boxing um, as well as Priscilla Machenko's did in route to him becoming a uh, what WB, cause he's WBO 122-pound uh, champion before he gave, it, he gave it up to go to 120 or 130. I'm sorry, 126 before he went to 130. So I don't think she's – I just don't think she's that she's gonna be that dominant as of yet, like right now. Like her first fight, 
while it was a good fight, I saw a lot of flaws. In yeah, a lot of flaws. You know what I'm saying? So, and Christina Hammer is a veteran. She's 20-0 with nine knockouts, man. She's been doing her thing for a while now. I just don't like that fight, fam, for right now. Just give me, like, six fights first, then do it. But for her so, third fight, no, I don't like it. So, yeah. okay, you think yeah, her, yeah. her dominance would be better for long term? Say that again, Big Cool? You think her dominance would be well suited for longer term success than yeah. what you were just saying? Okay, okay, I guess. Yes, you know how you know you know like Floyd Mayweather was a was a good amateur. I mean he 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 was he was robbed in the finals of the Olympics. Yeah. He should have been a gold medalist. You know uh, Andre Ward was a dominant amateur, and those guys were pushed correctly um, as professionals, and then they became dominant professionals over time. I think they need to do the same thing to Clarissa Shields, man. Real talk. Hey, real quick, not to add, uh, I forget the chick that fought yesterday on the. Um... Undercard Heather Hardy. Heather Hardy. What y'all think? What you think about her, like uh, 2K and Twine? I man, me personally, I think she's getting a lot more push than she's worthy of. I think there's better women's fighters out there. Um, I actually yeah. think she got a gift in one of her last fights, uh, not this one from last night, but the one before that. Um, I actually think she lost. Um, but you know, it's good to see her getting the push. But I, I don't think she's as as good as the push she's getting, you know, especially when, like I said, there's, you know, Amanda Serrano and stuff, you know, yeah. develop. I mean, she's definitely uh, got talent, but I, I just don't see her panning out being, you know, doing too much personally. Yeah, okay. I agree with that. Those sentiments, man, she's a good fighter, but, um, yeah, once she gets in the eyes of elite-level talent, yeah, she should be uh, taking off that pedestal pretty quickly. Yeah, I just asked because somebody said, mention her, uh, I think on the Showtime or CBS uh, telecast saying she should be on Showtime. One of them, well, somebody said it, but I was just, just wondering. Yeah, she, um, she's, got, um, she's gotten a real, real heavy push, uh, especially, you know, with the in the New York cards. You know, uh, you know, I've covered a couple of fights out there. She's been on all of them. So, you know, she's definitely received a heavy push from Lou DeBella and uh, – you know, the uh, New York, she's uh, gotten a lot of love. I've been well received out there. All right. Uh, let's go on to our next topic, I guess. Uh, we got another uh, fight who's not a fighter. He's not as active as you would like him to be fighting for a title this weekend, though, to make some, some more noise in the 154-pound division. Uh, Demetrius Andre. Uh, facing Jack Coolkay for the regular WBA title, uh, super welterweight. Uh, man, this is definitely a, a big move right here. Could put him in that position to be a mandatory challenger for uh, Aris Landy Lara. Um, let me get you guys' thoughts on this fight, man, starting with Bo, uh, since it has implications on uh, on Cubans. Uh, I'll figure out who's getting the take on it first. You say you talking about Demetrius Andrade? Yeah, Andre versus Cool K. Um, yeah, the best junior middleweight in the world. The best junior middleweight in the world. I'm sorry, you got something in your mouth. I'm sorry, you got something in your mouth. What'd you say? I can't hear you. Nah, you know what I said. 
Uh, I can't hear you. You you you, you take, 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 take out Johnny Google out your mouth. Take Johnny Google out your mouth. I can't hear you. But um, for those of us for those of us that actually for those of us that actually know boxing and can put on a pair of gloves and get in the ring, um, uh, whatever. I I like this. <laughs> actually, you know what? I'm a, I'm gonna be honest with you. I think. It's, it's a smart move by the And right now, Lada is being backed into a corner. And hear me out. Lada just got through fighting Yeti Foreman. He took heavy criticism for fighting Yeti Foreman. Lada put, Lada put out a tweet that said that he told his team to get him Andrade next. Uh, careful what you wish for. So at some point, at some point, He's gonna to have to back up these words, and and if Andrade beats Colcan and gets that title. This is gonna be that put up or shut up moment for Adesanya. Lock. He's gonna to have to fight this. We're gonna to have to deal with him. Uh, now it was curious because when when he had the chance to deal with him, you know Andrade went this, you know took this route. He was going this route with the WBA again, still guaranteed. But I'm 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 not necessarily mad at this move. And it makes a lot of sense, but at the end of the day, um, listen, Demetrius Andrade should be Demetrius Andrade should be a guy that we are talking about. Like when if he when he finally retires, um, this this is a guy that should have close to a better record than what he has, but because of his inactivity, he don't have it. Like he fought with Nelson, and what happened? You know, and 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 that was a that was a great display, and I watched that fight, and I think it was somebody else that said the two K. I've been watching that fight, and I said there's a lot of motherfuckers that want fifty four that just decided to avoid because of that fight right there. So it's a very curious case with Demetrius Andrade. I'm 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 not going to even shit on this fight. I'm not going to even talk shit about it. Uh, I think if him and if him and Lada do fight, it's it's. That's a 50-50 fight, even though I still believe he had his a lot of men lost his step. And he, he's going to be in there with Demetrius Andrade, who has suffered two back-to-back losses to many amateurs, but that don't mean anything, but don't think that's not, you know, in the back of his head. Because I've always said amateur scoring is, is, is totally different than, than, than the pro level. So I, I like this move by Andrade. I'm not even going to shit on him. I'm not, I'm not even going to talk bullshit. I like this move. And if he wins, I do want to see Eddie Zani Lauder Finally, put this to bed to, to rest I, because here's the reality is if anybody else and let's say he wins, then he's done something that neither Charlo brother has wanted to fucking do. And what I don't want to happen is Boo Boo win and Arison Lubin and Jared Hurd get that opportunity, and everybody's gonna be shitting like, why are these motherfuckers fighting the dude that you should that you should be fighting? So I hope he win, and when he win, put pressure on Lada to fight, put pressure on him to make that fight. And you know we'll finally have our conclusion to this story. All right, we're gonna go around the rest of the panel uh, and get their predictions on this fight uh, with Andre and Kuke. Uh Big Cool, who you got winning this fight? Uh, fashion KO decision. What you what you got, man? Andre beat him once. He's gonna beat him again. He's gonna stop him. It's gonna be similar to the performance of Willie Nelson, but it's gonna happen quicker. Andre, KO, 
actually has the headline card of the weekend since uh, the Gary Russell fight was canceled. Um, we got Yuri, Yuri, uh, Yuri Yorkis Gamboa making his return to the ring, first fight under Golden Boy, uh, facing Rene, Rene Alvarado uh, in one, at the 135 division, I believe. Um, let me get you guys' thoughts on this fight. Um, as far as Gamboa finally being in the ring against somebody other than the, uh, that wasn't even the trainer that he was fighting before. I don't know who that was. That was just somebody's homie kicking it. What <laughs> somebody's water boy? Um, <laughs> <laughs> let me get your thoughts on this fight. Um, I'll go ahead and start with Cubano Loco. Um. What do you got? What do you think of this fight in your Yuriokas Gamboa? Is it too little, too late for him uh, signing with Golden Boy and trying to finally, you know, put something together with his career? Okay, I guess we got we lost Bo again. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'll start off with you, Pickle. Same question. I mean, I don't know. We haven't seen him. He, he fought, but I mean, he had a lot of potential. I mean, I still think he had some potential, some good matchups that he could, you know, in his division. But he has to get through this guy this weekend and look good doing it. We all know he he's a supremely talented guy, fast hands, big power, excite, exciting fighting style, can outbox you. But he's not disciplined inside or outside of the ring, which um, has hindered him. Uh, made some bad decisions outside of his signing, you know, with some guys that don't have his best interest. But when he's on his A game, he's hard to beat. Um, look what he did when he fought Crawford. You know, he gave Crawford everything he, you know, he had into, you know, the size difference and skill, you know, played a factor. But I think he should wipe, wipe this guy out um, rather easily, whether he knocks him out or just outboxes him. And then we'll see from there. But we can't really judge him right now because we haven't really seen him. And this is his first fight back in a while with Golden Boy. So Saturday night we'll see how uh, he performs. But if he performs underwhelmingly, it's hard to really make a case to, you know, him getting a meaningful fight where we see he has a chance in. So I'm going to just do go with the wait-and-see approach come Saturday night. Hopefully he looks good. He's he dominant. He displays all the skills we've grown to love him for. And, and you know, and wins impressively. So I, I expect him to win. But Willie, we don't know. All right, I'm definitely expecting a good fight out of uh, Alvarado. He's been in there against some pretty pretty game guys, so um, he's definitely going to come to fight. So that's a good thing. Um, but other than that, um, let me go ahead and pass it on to TK. Um, what do you think as far as what does this fight mean for Gamboa's career right now? Hey, my bad, fam. Um, <laughs> I was sidetracked by uh, something – Nicki Minaj was wearing her titties out. I was looking at them titties, so I didn't hear anything. You, said. Um, <laughs> you chose, you chose to be distracted, dog. You chose just a minute. You chose to. Uh, I don't know if y'all, I don't know if y'all seen that shit, but I was like, God damn, the whole time. Hey, wait, 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 wait. What group is it in? I'm gonna need a tag or something. <laughs> Hell yeah, but uh. No, nah, but um, yeah, it's it's a I think it's <laughs> I think it's a good fight for ben, uh, Gamboa, you know, him being on that layoff like that. Um, I'm I'm for me, even though this guy is 
not on the level of a gamble that we're used to seeing, you know what I'm saying, it's still a good measuring stick because, man, this is do or die for Gamboa. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's, it's, he reminds me of Juan Guzman so much, dog. Like, <clears throat> uh, Juan Guzman, you know, the listeners that don't remember who he is, he was like the boogeyman. Great. 135. Yeah. yeah from, actually, from 130 to 140. 130, 135, yeah. And he fought at 140. He fought at 140 as well. Because when he was at 140, a lot of cats wanted Mayweather to fight him. And, um, you know, Mayweather, I'm not saying he ducked him or anything, but he didn't entertain that fight. Um, But he was the boogeyman. But he could never get fights because he could never make weight. You know what I'm saying? He always had weight problems. Now, Gamboa doesn't remind me um, of that per se, but he reminds me of the fact that he is an excellent fighter that can give anybody fucking trouble, but he is never active. You know what I'm saying? Is you look at him like, damn, nigga, you could have been something. You know what I'm saying? And that's how I look at, and that's how I look at Jones Lose Month. So you know, Gamboa, I think he turns what 36 this year. He just yeah. turned 35. He just turned 35. He's turning 36 this year, dog. This is do or die. He's got to beat the fuck out of Rene Alvarado. Um, he he needs to beat him in impressive fashion. Alvarado's only been knocked out once. It was in 2015. Um, but he has seven losses, and six of those, you know, went to decision. So he, he's, even though he's a tough competitor, he's got to knock him out, man. And he's got to do it in impressive fashion. And after that win, if he wins, he needs to immediately seek um, a contender in the division in order to continue his career on the pad that we would like to see it on, man. Now this fight is at 135, I believe. Is it 130 or 135? I I think it's 135. Yeah. All right. Did you guys think that's another issue uh, as far as uh, Uriokas Gamboa? Is he fighting in, in his most effective class? Because I think 130 was probably his most effective weight, and even uh, you know, at 135, I think he was still kind of small for the weight class. So let me get yeah. you guys your thoughts on that. Uh, I think okay, I'll start with you first. Um, I think uh, I think um, Gamboa can. I think he can move around, man. I don't think 135 is a big deal. Um, I think you're right. He was more effective at 130. Um, but at this point in his career, he's getting older. Weight comes with age, so he's gonna have to eventually get acclimated at 135 if he's not already. I mean, he won his last two fights uh, within the 135-pound limit. So, And, of course, it was against meager opposition, but still. And he did give Terrence Crawford, you know, a little bit of trouble before getting knocked out. But um, Okay. I was just I, able to verify this, too. It's, going, it's a 130-pound fight. So um, he is fighting in this more effective division. So that's good to see that. Yeah, I mean, it, it just depends, man. I don't know. It just—it really depends on. He's—he's he's been he's been on a layoff, man. It just depends. So I don't. I it doesn't matter to me where he's fighting at, honestly. I think I think it depends on him how how disciplined he is. Like I said, he handled yeah. himself pretty well against Crawford, but he kind of gets reckless. Like I mean, you don't always have to, you know, get a guy out just because you got hurt. You got to remember who you are and what gets you fucked up. And he don't have the best of chance. So he if he fights disciplined, he can outbox a lot of the fighters from. 130 yeah. to 135. So, I mean, he makes things tough on himself than they have to be. Yeah. 
Yeah, he also fights to the level of his competition sometimes. You can see, um, like, I think he has to be amped for some fights. Um, in other fights, he, you know, he doesn't get up for him. You know, you, you definitely get that feeling from him in uh, some of his fights. Mm-hmm. But uh, that will lead to the main event of that card that's happening on uh, HBO on Saturday, uh, middleweight clash between Curtis Stevens and David Lemieux. Uh, not a bad, not a bad fight on paper, man. Uh, not, I'm not sure how much of a meaning or significance it bears on the middleweight division right now, but, you know, still a good matchup nevertheless. Um, let me go ahead and start with a Bernard on this one. What's your thoughts on this fight? And, uh, let, let's do the prediction. Oh, this fight ain't, it's not going to last long. It's going to end in the mid rounds. I'm not impressed with Stevenson in his last fight. I feel like David Lemieux will um, get him out of there. I hope it lives up to a, a, um, all the hype, all that shit they've been talking about on Twitter and stuff. I actually hope they actually go in that ring and uh, slug it out. You know what I'm saying? Give the casuals what they want. <laughs> all right. Uh, big cool. I'll pass it over to you, man. Uh, let me get your prediction. How do you see this fight playing out? Man, Curtis Stevens talks a lot of shit for a guy that mentally, who is a mental midget, put it like that. You know what I'm saying? But he's, he, but he's called the cerebral assassin now, too. Uh, fuck, well, shit, I don't give a fuck what he calls himself. I'm calling him a mental midget. You know what I'm saying? He a midget literally and mentally, so whatever. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that. Not like the disrespect. You know what I mean. And when it comes to fighting, he is, man, shit, chill. But. No, he, he need his ass. Way. He need his ass knocked out one more time in the fucking panel. He would win. Fuck that shit. I don't, I don't care about all that. I don't care about <laughs> what he's doing. I just I care about what he's doing in the ring, and he disappoints time after time after time. He talks a lot of shit, and you know he just mentally gets zapped out of the fight against De La Rosa. He should have had his ass out, you know, when he had him hurt. But I don't know what the fuck happened. And I think that Lemieux. I don't care for him either, but I think that. He's going to beat the hell out of Kurt Stevens. Um, Kurt Stevens doesn't really take a good punch. Uh, he, he relies too much on his power. And like I said, man, once once Lemieux get leather start flying and he can start getting hit with that shit, that motherfucker going to look through his corner. He's going to start making some excuses. Left hand hurt, and it's going to be a wrap, man. I think he's going to get stopped um, in brutal fashion. Five rounds, six rounds. But it'll be a good fight while it lasts. All right, that is something uh, we have come to know um, from Curtis Stevens. He does mentally check out of a lot of fights, um, even his most recent fight that he, he I think he had a gift in, mentally checked out of it for whatever reason after looking good in his first bout with uh, John David Jackson, puts up a stinker. Um, so he's still with John David Jackson? Him. Yeah, yeah, he's still with John David Jackson for this fight. Um, Both trash. Definitely be interesting to see uh, how that pans, how everything pans out. Um, let me get your uh, take on this one, TK, as far as uh, prediction and how you see the fight playing out. Um, any yeah. advantages you think either fighter has over one another? Um, Bo said something earlier. He said that Martin Murray versus Gabriel Zotto is the fight. Um, uh, that should be labeled the best C-level fighters, right? This one is a fight where it's the best, or at least the 
the top, the, the top, well, I would say top B level, not the best B level, because I think the best B level fighter at 160 is fucking Daniel Jacobs, but the top B level fighters anyway. Um, and I actually think this fight actually does mean something because, um, you know, the winner, I think Stevens or Lemieux can actually give Daniel Jacobs and Billy Ho Sanders problems if they all actually fought. So this fight does mean something, but as far as the way it looks, um, we all know, hey, neither one of these niggas know how to box. So, um, <laughs> both of them are going to be, you know, swinging for the fences. Um, it's really, what's going to matter here is the person that is able to push the other one back, who's going to be the, the more aggressive fighter. Um, in my opinion, if you box David Lemieux, that's the only way you can keep him off of you. If you are a slugger or a brawler, you are not able to keep David Lemieux off of you, dog. It's impossible at that point in time. That's why Triple G elected to box him when they fought. Um, that's why Joaquin Alcin was able to box him and beat him, give him his first loss. Um, second loss. But, second loss, excuse me, sir, second loss. Um, but Curtis Stevens has, does not have that ability. So I see Curtis Stevens again slept. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> I see maybe like I see it should be a it should be a barn burner for six rounds, but he'll eventually get slugged. Is he gonna make a face like he did against Triple G? Is he gonna make? That? <laughs> he gonna roll on at the ring after this shit too. He gonna just roll on at the ring. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I'll go ahead and uh complete what I guess what the rest of the panel thinks. Um I definitely think Lemieux is going to uh knock out Stevens. Uh the cerebral assassin will come up short like his his stature. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that nigga like five two, ain't he? He like five two. I mean, he say he five seven. Curtis Stevens, he say he five seven, but I'm like, I, I think he like five 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 six. Like he not he not tall at all, man. He's he's very small to be a, a middleweight. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we gonna go into our no E and O topic for this week, man. We got another good one. Um, Hopefully Scott Knight is listening because he's gonna love the hell out of, out of this one. I've been I've been coming up with some good ones the last couple of weeks, even though I don't like this one myself personally because um, it's about one of my fighters. Um, and this day, 1988, Sumbu Kalumbai beats Body Snatcher Mike McCallum oh, to retain his WBA no middleweight title. You should have warned me, man. That's one of my favorite fucking fighters, man. I don't want to hear that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, man. I'll give you keep it going. Spot. Keep it going. I would like to hear this one. I'd like to hear it. Shoot. Sure. No, but you know, you know, but you know what? We got the rematch. That's what matters, man. Body snatch, we yeah. got the rematch. That's what matters. And no... Sumbu Columbi was not over the hill when Mike got the rematch. God, I don't want to hear Hell that no. shit. So no, he wasn't. Whooped his ass. Right. <laughs> uh, so that's going to lead us into our final vote for the weekend. Uh, man, uh, 
Let's go, Big Cool. You got it. Man, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. David, hey, I'm going to say this before I go in on him. Oh, I respect I respect any fighter or any person that gets in the ring. I have never got it's in the corn ring. Rose. It's cornrows, right? It's cornrows. Tell well, me about the cornrows. <laughs> I respect him. I respect him as a fighter. I respect what he fought through yesterday with the torn Achilles on tendon. But it doesn't change the fact that he funded a lot of opportunities throughout his career to be more than what he yeah. what he is. He chose yeah. to fight domestic, you know, big fights instead of fighting the best in the division. He gave us Ugly Harrison, Derrick Jazor, a motherfucker I can't pronounce, uh, fucking Monte Barrett. I know that was his first fight in heavyweight, so I understand that he fought John Ruiz, who was way past his prime. And I understand he fought yeah. Nikolai Ballou for the title, but he chose the path of least resistance. And when he finally, you know, decided to man up and step up, you know, face the best heavyweight at the time, Vladimir Klitschko, you know what he did? He stunk out the joint and blamed it on a, a fucking hangnail or whatever the fuck was wrong. <laughs> and, you know, I just feel that guys like him are a bad representation for boxing. Not saying they should be banned or, or blackballed, but, you know, the, the fight, his mentality is all wrong. Hey, Physical ability, could punch, could box, fast hands, athletic, but chose to, you know, you know, shortcoming himself, shortcoming or whatever I'm fucking looking for. And it, it all came to a, you know, end for him. I think his career came to an end yesterday. He stopped the torn Achilles. He got embarrassed. I know 2K was saying, you know, Belou's trash, which he probably is. But the fact that the fight went longer than three or four rounds yesterday, was bullshit. If Hay took the fight seriously, like if he would have took his career seriously, he'd be a great champion. He should have trained hard. When you got somebody in front of you that you should beat, you should cut no corners. Doesn't matter if it's a big, you know, huge gap in talent or whatnot. Great fighters prepare. All fighters like they're fighting, you know, on their level. And for him to let that fight go past three or four rounds, he got what he deserved. Man, I don't wish injury on nobody. <clears throat> You know, he got his ass beat or whatever you want to call it. He took a loss to a blown-up light heavyweight, a guy that jumped from light heavyweight because he couldn't cut it there, to Cruiserweight, who won a title luckily or whatever you want to call it. And and Baloo didn't even come, go looking for the fight. Hay was the one called him out. So I wish Hay a full recovery, but I don't ever want to see him in the ring again. I mean, like I said, he don't give a, he ain't gave us no good memories other than Enzo Macanelli knocking him out to unify the cruiserweight division um, in his last fight. He hasn't really gave us any good memories. Huh? Hey, hold up. He didn't even unify, fam. He was, by that time, um, well, yeah, he did unify, but he wasn't the undisputed champion. I, yeah, I want to clear undisputed. that up for the viewers. Yeah, yeah so he wasn't the undisputed. Yeah, he had three of the four, uh, you know, titles in that division. But like I said, he fought Ugly Harrison, a guy who should have never been in the ring with him. Don't care what he did as an amateur. Because he ain't do shit as a pro. He called Dizzy Zora, pulled a bitch move on him, glassed him, knocked him out, I mean, in the ring. So, like I said, I don't feel bad for him getting shamed how he is now because he brought it on himself. When he had plenty of chances to step up, I know the heavyweight division hasn't always been as of late. He could have fought Ariola, Adamant, uh, fucking Tony Thompson, better guys than he did fight. And he chose to go the soft route. And Karma came right around yesterday and beat his in his ankle and in his ass. So 
<laughs> good reason. 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 And I will continue shitting on him, you know what I'm saying, later on when I do my damn recap of my own channel. I agree 100% with, with Big Cool. David Hay completely squandered his his opportunity to become, you know, one of the better uh, fighters, not just heavyweight champions, but fighters, period, because, you know, he did unify three of the four belts at Cruiserweight, and he could have continued, you know, his legacy at heavyweight if he wouldn't have uh, – uh, uh, put so much attention on trying to fight the Klitschko's to the point where he goes in there, fights Vladimir, lays a fucking egg, fights Derek Chisora right after that, and then retires for four fucking years, giving up the rest of his youth. You know what I'm saying? The rest of his, his uh, potential that he has as a fighter. From 32 to 36, you missed all of that. Um, yep. He completely squandered an opportunity to become a remembered fighter, not just heavyweight in boxing. So, I agree 100% with Big Cool, even though I shit it on Bellu earlier, man. That's an excellent, excellent, excellent final blow. Appreciate it, bro. Agree, man. And lose the cornrows, dog. You lost all rights to it. All hey, rights to it. Go ball, game, motherfucker. Go ball. Yeah. Game. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we already got a thing against pretty hair motherfuckers anyway on this show. But you had to live up to that damn hype <laughs> and, and lose to fucking Bellu. Like uh, blown up by heavyweight that got knocked out by somebody that you continually diss. <laughs> and yeah, they yeah. told him to take his ass out, man, at heavyweight. That, that shit crazy. just definitely it didn't sit well with me at all. At all. Yeah. I understand yeah. the injury, but it just didn't sit well with me. And the crazy thing yeah. about it, he chose to tough it out against a guy. He didn't even have to do all that against if he was well prepared. Instead of doing it for the, you know, getting flattered here. That's what's disappointing, you know what I'm saying? So Through the ropes, yeah. dog, through the ropes. And you know what's yeah, funny? Man. Big Cool, Big Cool yeah. supported again, man. And I, and I, I think we should have had a segment on David Hay, fam. Like, he, this motherfucker even <laughs> said in the goddamn, what is that shit, ringside report? Not that one, Beyond the Ropes, the one with Johnny Nelson. He yeah, even yeah. said. He said that this fight is a tune-up to get him ready for the elite-level heavyweight. He even said that he didn't give a fuck about this fight because it was just a tune-up. So Big Cool saying that David Hay didn't take this fight um, seriously, David Hay told us he, he didn't. He told us that. And that's yeah. what happened, man. He broke his fucking ankle or his kneecap, whatever the fuck it was, and then he ended up losing. Stupid, man. Yeah, he's not, he's not going to be able to live this one down. You know, that, that Bellu, he definitely, no, nobody was, he wasn't even on anybody's radar as far as winning this fight. You know what's a trip is Derek Chisora actually predicted the outcome of this fight. Now, if you know that crazy motherfucker, you can get something <laughs> yeah. right to beat them. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> is this upset of the year? Oh, um, no. I don't. No. I don't know if you can consider it that. Man, oh, no, considering no. Hey, 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 Trash, bro. Hey, Trash. Yeah. He was looking like Wilder out there. He was looking like a smaller version of Wilder with that swing and shit. So, 
mean, I mean, I, mean, I see where you're going. Technically, you could say it is, but I mean, no, I, hey, they didn't take this fight seriously, I said, I said no way. So far. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, definitely so far. Well, yeah, so far. Yeah, well, I don't know because this is a clown. This is a circus show. Yeah, the fight the fight should have never fucking happened in the first place. So this is a circus. This is a sideshow in my opinion. So I can't I can't put a sideshow um I can't give that sideshow credence over an actual real fight. You know, I think upset of the year was was Carl Frampton and Leo Santa Cruz. Fuck that. I'm going with that. <laughs> Yeah, you, <laughs> hey, like I said, man, if Tony if, if, if Bellu's trash, then motherfucking hate Doctor Juice because these Bellu's are trying to get Lee Bellu or whatever getting fucking as much out of his damn paddle that he can. Through the ropes, man. Through the ropes. <laughs> he should have kicked his ass while he was down. He should have kicked his ass while he was down. <laughs> that is not a good lasting impression for David Hay, man. Like you don't want to be remembered by that one. I mean, by yeah. David, by I me, mean, by Tony Bellew. Just to be hot. Look, he looked like a preacher. Hey, look, he looked like a preacher dipped him in the water too fast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, that concludes our topics for this evening, man. We'll be back again next week. Uh, you know, in another week of topics and, of course, reviewing all the the fights from the upcoming weekend and, you know, all the other news that's coming up, man. Uh, Cubano couldn't make it through the rest of the show. Um, he's out of the country on vacation, so, you know, probably loss of power or something. Um, but whatever it is, man, we'll be able to catch up with him next week, hopefully. Uh, for the rest of my co-hosts, Ben Cool from Colossal Boxing Talk, uh, Bernard, from the Truth of Facts About Boxing. And we got 2K, the guy from the guys of Boxing Talk, man. We'll catch up with y'all next week. Peace. 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 With the you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 